1: Welcome to Counts Charge. I'm Elliot Morris. I'm Kevin Spear.
0: And
2: I'm Jeremy Duval. And we are back again with another great army review episode. Today we're going to be talking about Order of the Green Lady. I have Elliot, the diplomat, the ambassador of kindness of the Northern Kings, RC member Elliot Morris on the line. How are you doing, Elliot? I'm very well, thank you. I- I'm excited to have you on. And then we have a new person to countercharge, but not new in the community. We have the nicest guy in Kings of War, Kevin Spear. How are you doing, Kevin?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, really excited to have you on the show. Um, I know we've had Elliot uh, a bunch of times on the show, but Kevin, uh, this is being your first time on Countercharge. charge Why don't you give us a little background, sort of how did you find uh, Kings of War and then miniature wargaming? How did you get into the hobby?
1: Hi,
3: everybody. I'm Kevin Spear. Uh, I'm a social teacher out of Connecticut. Uh, I primarily deal with uh, at-risk students and special needs students. Um, I guess you could always say that I've been a nerd. <laughs> I always tell my students that um, whenever like when I was a kid, everybody was like reading Sports Illustrated. This was like the early 90s and um, and, and like Nintendo Gamer magazine. And, and while they were reading that, I was reading like things like Civil War Journal. And I think I think the game that got me into war gaming was something called Battlemaster. I think it was made out of made by Games Workshop. It was one of those standalone box sets and you got this mat that you could just spread out across the room and and I remember being a kid with my older brother and we were just pushing these units of knights and orcs and there was a minotaur and all those sort of things around and I guess that kind of set a seed in me uh, that would kind of later grow um, probably around I want to say late high school early college Uh, And I found myself in a a nerd store, you know, one of those shops, uh, looking at a wall of just miniatures. And I had to have one. And, of course, it had to be a men-at-arms box. And very much like a lot of your listeners, I I was a Warhammer fantasy guy first. Um, Played it really pretty much as my only game up until the end of Warhammer fantasy. And after, like, the great schism, I kind of putzed around a little bit. Uh, playing things like Blood Bowl and Age of Sigmar and just, you know, in box games until the, Keith Conroy came up to me and asked if I wanted to play in a Kings of War tournament. <laughs> and I hadn't even, like, heard of Kings of War up to that point. And, and I said, well, can you at least show me a game? And he, he showed me a game. I think it was that like, 1,000 points. And I said, yeah. Yeah, I really like this. And so <laughs> with one game under my belt, I went and played my first grand tournament. Uh, and I think what really hooked me about Kings of War uh, is first how incredibly balanced this game is. Uh, what was really troublesome about earlier games like playing Britonia and Warhammer Fantasy? You, I don't know if you guys remember, but you, you ever come up to somebody and you check out their list and you just look at it and go, there's no way. <laughs> there's just There's just no way that I can overcome that kind of stuff. I don't think I've ever felt that with the Kings yeah. of War rule set. Britannia uh,
1: by the end was is it eight years old? Oh god. Back, back oh, by I the end was, of eighth edition.
3: Oh no. I think I think the the last actual yeah, it was what early two thousands was the last rule set, like two thousand three, two thousand four. So yeah, about eight, ten years old. So yeah, but yeah, that's exactly it. And so
0: playing Kings
3: of War, I don't think I've ever had that thought. And I've always felt that if I just played my game, I could be competitive. Maybe not always win, but certainly be in the fight. And I, and I think the other thing that really hooked me was, was just the community. And it's how positive and accepting and amazing all the, the men and women that are here. And, and, and so before I want to go any further, I just wanted to say thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you so much for what you guys uh, do to help this community grow and stay active in a really tough time.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, thank you for that. We try to do as much as we can. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like uh, uh, doing the show and creating content. It's like what? It's almost on some ways, it's something that we love to do, but also we view it sort of as our public service, right, is that this is what we're choosing to give back to our community in, in, in a time where we can't come together, right, because of COVID, creating a, a, a sense of community that can exist in the virtual space. Is that much more important because we can't come together? It's funny that you mentioned Battle Masters because I loved Battle Masters. So for people who don't know, Milton Bradley with Games Workshop in the early 90s released this game called Battle Masters, and it came with a big, like, mat of terrain, like a like a rollout. It wasn't neoprene or anything fancy, just like a plastic thing you would lay out, and it had hex grids on it, and then you had like human guys, you had your chaos guys you you know, like Kevin said, you had a cannon, a a giant, all that sort of stuff and you'd play out like scenarios where units could move a certain amount of hexes and really i think it was an intro to war gaming for a lot of people i know jesse cornwell uh, and i were huge battle master fans did was that
1: ever in the uk elliot battle masters are you familiar with that game at all i mean early 90s i i wasn't born so oh, okay I'm probably, well um, probably the wrong person to ask there um <laughs> uh, I, I was born in 92 um anyway I, I have heard of it and i'm sure it will have um it will have been a thing obviously we we have yeah, guess which I here, so that most most things started here and then then made their way across.
2: I mean, I bet if you were to play it now, it's pretty super dated. But if you ever see it at a garage sale and you have like a young person in your life that maybe you want to get into miniature wargaming or something, or just for nostalgia, I would recommend picking it up because again, it was one of
1: my first things into the into the hobby too. You, you can usually age people by whatever their first war game was. Um, so a lot of people's was hero quest as well so that kind of yeah. in uh-huh. whereas mine was lord of the rings from games workshop yeah so you, you can you can usually tell how old they are by what their first war game was
2: well the first box of miniatures i ever brought bought were, were were squats for 40k so that shows you my age and that i started getting into it when that army existed as a thing of miniatures that you could buy in a store so i had little dwarf bikers driving around so but speaking of hobby you know Since we are, I know UK is on another lockdown, and I know I'm in California, which is one of the more harder-hit states, so we don't really have much going on here. So it does give you a time to maybe invest a little bit more in the hobby side of things. So hobby-wise, Elliot, what have you been up to? You've been working on anything?
1: Yeah, so I, um, well, I started at the very start of the original lockdown back in March last year. Um, I found in my garage an old shoebox full of dwarves, uh, and it was actually the the School Pass Dwarves, which I think was the Warhammer 7th edition box. And I think every war game ever has somewhere a shoebox of Battle for School Pass Dwarves um, just hanging around. And I was looking through them and decided that I've not done anything with them for the 15 years that I've owned them. Uh, now really is the time. So I got 90% all the way through the infantry in the first sort of six weeks of lockdown uh, and then didn't touch them again at all uh, until about November. Uh, where I've I finally got a bit of motivation again. So I've now finished all of the infantry, I've started the elementals, and I've done all of my war engines as well. So I've got about 3,000 points of dwarves that are painted and have never once seen the table yet, and it's going to be a really, it's kind of a backwards way of painting an army for me, because I, I usually paint something at the very last second to get it onto the, the table the next day, um, usually because I've got a tournament coming. So this is a a brand new thing for me of having an army painted ready and then put back on the shelf and not used. So I'm I'm now kind of looking at it longingly and really wanting to to bring it to an event.
2: It will be just like a shopping spree, right? Where it's like <laughs> yeah. you have everything painted and then don't you don't actually ever play the army in person until it's completely done and it was. Which gonna, it will... is
1: going to be really unusual, but then yeah. I know what I'm like and I'm going to moved on to the next shiny thing that I want to play before I even play the dwarves. So it'll probably be a a few years before they they actually see the table. But what is nice now, it means that I've now got two two fully painted nice armies that I can use for demo games Um, when we can start that up again.
2: Yeah, that's good. And then it's also, too, you know, it's nice that at least not only do you have having variety within one army that you collect, but having two completely different armies, I think, is really nice. So if you're starting to get burnt out on your main army, right, you have
1: something else painted that you can play with. I mean, I've actually got about nine armies. But oh, well, then you don't have that. I'm, um, what, what I tend to do is I, I only paint and collect the units that I'm actually going to use. So while I've got about nine armies, they're quite specific within certain lists. Whereas I haven't done that with the dwarves. I just looked at the models that I had, went down, decided what units I could make from it without really thinking of a list, which is it's quite a nice approach, really. And it's a, it now means that I can look through it all and sort of pick a mix and choose how I want to build my army. What about you, Kevin? What have you been up to hobby wise? Well
3: over the past year, I've done something that I've never actually was able to accomplish in my entirety of I don't know like 17 years of hobby, (laughs) which was to plan by build paint and base an entire army just just don't judge it uh it's a uh, brother mark army (laughs) and and you may be wondering because I have like maybe I don't know 5,000 points of old Bretonnia models all painted up and all the classic models uh, from the GW brand but uh, once we got into that third edition I didn't feel like the those previous models really fit like my own head cannon. So what I did was I said, well, those models are just going to be like a, a kings a, a kingdom of men like army, and I'll go figure that out later on. So I needed literally two more armies worth of knights, <laughs> and so I was kind of a little bit actually intimidated by the Order of the Green Lady. And so I thought, okay, well, the Brother Mark has a simpler paint scheme because I I, I kind of based it around the old like the Stormcast models. Um, and, and some like, uh, you know, uh, off brand men at arm kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I was able to buy last by the end of last November, was able to get about twenty three hundred points painted. And I'm just waiting, just chomping at the bit to use these things. I was able to get a, a practice game on UB with uh, Mike McCready. Uh, he beat me. But I felt like it was going to be an okay list, and so I'm just waiting. I'm waiting until Jake uh, Pikachu comes around for his whooping in the next tournament.
2: Uh, there's there's something really sweet, like I, it, in hearing people's painting journeys. You hear a lot of sort of different pathways or different narratives, and you have the the people who have just always painted full armies, right? That's just what they've done. And then you hear the people who I've been, they've been painting off and on for. 10, 15 years, but it's a model here or a unit there. And they never quite got to that point where they had a cohesive and complete singular army project. And I remember when you finish that first army or you finish that first project, it's it's a moment that you need to take a, take a second and really appreciate what you've done. Because not every, I mean, there's a, a small amount of people who actually have a fully painted army. When, I mean, we see them all the time in tournaments, but in the scope of wargaming, that's like a pretty sound accomplishment to finish an army.
3: Exactly. And I and I really enjoyed that process because I don't think I've ever done that. I think I did that the old style, which is, you know, you paint a model here, a model there, and to just go through and go, OK, I'm going to do these five models this week and then we'll do these five models next week and just build that routine to the point where even when I was finished, I felt like oh man, I can, I can keep going. Oh, what, what else can I add to here? And kind of get to that point where Elliot's at, where you just have a whole selection. That was that was really fun. It, it really was a pleasure to do.
2: You know, sometimes I'll do like a spreadsheet and I'll put everything on the spreadsheet that I need to have done. And I know Rob is like, has a vision board or like a different sorts of like project planning material. Is that something you do at all, Elliot, when you're, when you're painting an army? Do you have like anything written down or like a game plan? Are you just sort of just going Uh-oh. with what's, so no, that's, whatever that sounds far inspired.
1: too don't mind painting but I, I paint so that I have a painted army for playing with I keep telling myself that I'm going to sort of elevate it to the next level and go for paint skulls and, and have a cohesive army but I, that's just not happened yet so I, I tend to design a list proxy a list and practice it with blank bases or, or proxies and then I'll just paint that specifically um, usually the day before a tournament in a blind panic mm-hmm. so that's <laughs> That's kind of how I paint. So I, I don't really need a checklist of things to do because I've only got one evening to look at everything and go, ah, what don't I have yet? Um, I will say I am always
2: finishing painting too. Last year, I uh, at the the day before a U.S. Masters, uh, my I had 25 guys in my hotel room and we had set up a whole painting workshop, like emergency glue station. And I was yeah. like painting all the day but and I so I'm thinking that's probably gonna become a master's tradition because I'm always I'm never happy with anything and I always take so long to do everything that the day before I'm always like trying to fine tune and, you know, pick out details or all right. and it's just fun too to like have group hobby it's one of the reasons why we like After Dark but doing group painting in person is fun too right because you're just hanging out everyone's working on their armies you get to see everyone for Masters there were so many people there because we had the regular tournament and then we had the non invited best of the rest tournament so I was like well let me just have my hotel room be like the painting workshop room and everyone will come to me to say hi and I can say hi to everyone and I'll have to go and find everyone because everyone needs glue right Our something so pretty much i got to see almost everyone at the tournament that day what i've been working on hobby wise i've been doing a couple different things um i've started work on the armada stuff so i am painting the abyss ship so not the super super large largest of the the basilean ships but one of the bigger sized Uh, it's coming along really well i'm trying some new paint for my gold recipe So I was a big fan of the Vallejo metal color series, but also I had been hearing a lot about GW's Retributor armor as just a really solid starting color with gold. So I've been experimenting with that and then using a a Reichlin flesh gloss varnish, or gloss uh, ink, and then just building up with gold with silver, Vallejo silver mixed in, and I'm really happy with how that gold has come out. I think I'm probably going to be u- using that gold technique maybe in my main army. But also I've been doing, um, there's a great painting blog called Scarhand Painting where he uses a bunch of the AK Interactive products to do his water effects. So what I did was I started with the basic sort of Mantic released, um, these bases for Armada that are acrylic with like a piece of paper in the middle that has sort of like ocean color colors. And I just used the Pacific blue gel on top of that so the blue gel sort of drives and gives you kind of like an opaque uh, semi-see-through blue effect and since the mantic base already has that sort of blue in the middle of it underneath the acrylic it really created some really nice blue watery uh, depth looking in the base and then you just sort of work around the ship with water effects and then uh, ak interactive has a foam gel effect where it kind of you can build up watery foam so i did that and i'm really happy with how it came out um it looks really sweet um i started to work on the sails and there's a really weird um there's i don't know uh, from the resin cast there's a bit of resin between the mast and the sail and i tried to remove it on one of the models but it's so awkward to get it in that i think i might just leave it in there and paint it to look like extra sails or something but it's like I'm not sure if why they had to design the the the, the molds that way. I'm not a, a resin expert, but it is sort of like annoying piece to get out. But that aside, um, I'm pretty happy with the Armada miniatures. Or like uh, being a sort of like a, a history buff, and especially like a big naval history guy. The miniatures are great, and that's going to be one of those games you we were talking about, Elliot. Where I will probably have three Armada fleets painted eight months from now before I actually play the
1: game. <laughs> I, I do think uh, Armada is probably going to be the, the best looking war game ever to have been released because what normally happens is that you play and, you know, you, everyone plays with proxy bases to start with or a bit of gray plastic or a bit of half and half. It's going to be the first ever war game that is a hundred percent played with fully painted, beautiful armies. Yeah. <laughs> because because everyone's, everyone's going to really... paint them months in advance and then just sat there waiting.
2: Yeah, everyone's been really excited about those, and they've come out during lockdown, and I think re- people have really gone in on the water basing and the like—we're um, uh, seeing a lot, like you said, we're seeing a lot of really well-painted Armada stuff. So I can't wait to see those games Like once we're released back into the wild, and we can actually start playing games in person, which I still choose to believe it's a matter of when, not if— and we're on the home stretch and let's stay positive light at the end of the tunnel even though the tunnel may still be long but yeah so i'm super excited um, i'm going to do the basilian fleet and then depending on when i finish that i may do the empire of dust or the dwarves i'm not super excited about the orcs just because i've never been just in general an orky kind of dude i like the more like elegant looking type stuff and then the dwarf fleet i think is going to be really quick you know because it's all metals and metal even if you do some intricate stuff with the metals i think metals you can be a little bit a little bit more messy with and then that that messiness reads just as age or tarnish so i think there's some ways you could maybe go a little faster there but and then outside of the armada i finished up my basilean spear infantry test model Um, and then i'm also working on some elohi regiments and this is where i sort of Need to finalize if the U.S. master still happens, which is supposed to happen in June, July, August, sometime over the summer, based on if things calm down over the next, next four or five, six months. I most likely will be taking my uh, Basalians aliens uh, again to that. So I'm trying to kind of finalize the last little bits. Still not soar- sold on the infantry horde. Um, but I do like Elohi and regiments have been working pretty well. So just trying to kind of finalize that army. Um, as I'm deciding what my next big Kings of War project is going to be, which I can't like Army ADD one, one week, it's I'm going to do this. And then the next week, I like I'm going to do this. So I can't really decide. But in the meantime, just sort of painting whatever sparks my interest. Um, Matt Kroger has been sponsoring another weekly "Do whatever you want, just get something done" sort of hobby challenge where it's not any specific categories or anything like that. It's more of just make a. We had like a make a New Year's resolution hobby commitment that you want to work on for the first ha- first you know uh, couple months of the year. So people have been sending in a bunch of cool stuff on that, which is you know sometimes as Mark would say, his favorite color is done. And uh, I think there can be some truth to that. I just recently painted the um, Hellboy box uh, board game with contrast paints, and that was super fun, just to get a project completed within a week or two. Um, oh, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I should point out my entire dwarf army has been done with contrast paints. What have your <laughs> thoughts was... been on, on the contrast? I absolutely love them. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're excellent for people like me who... A painted army is, is fine. I don't really care to what standard it is within reason. Um, it, it, if you were going for higher you know, skill levels or painting score then I, there's probably limited use for them but in terms of physically getting a painted unit on the table that actually looks you know fairly decent and is a, a good enough quality, um, you, you can't go better than contrast paints. They just they save so much time. I, I was really annoyed when I had to do the metal for all the weapons. Because it was the only time I had to, I couldn't use contrast paints.
3: Do you do you like touch it up after you use the contrast paints, or you just put yeah. the contrast paints on and that's it?
1: No, so I I do contrast paints for all of the block colors. Basically, everything you would have done basing base colors for before, um, and then I might dry brush for certain areas, or um, I then do go, go through with highlights afterwards. Um, but it just it just takes away three or four steps beforehand, and basically it's contrast paint then highlight. And it's done. Um, I just, just go through and highlight things like faces and weapons and shields, just the bits that really stand out. But yeah, it, it... yeah, and
2: that's what that's sort of the method I found with with the Hellboy, which is basically you're using contrast for like as your base color and wash in one basically, and then I would go back in with dry brush or or pick out r- details with sort of normal highlighting techniques. Yeah, but yeah, if you're wanting to get something done that's tabletop and you can even go in there and do some extra stuff to make them look, you know, pretty solid armies, uh, try contrast, you know, some of the colors I like more than others, but it is for what it's designed to do. They are pretty amazing paints.
1: They're, they're fantastic are for things like black. Are,
3: are they good with edges? Like, I, cause I, I can't wrap my head around them. Cause I, they look like, uh, it looks like almost like a, a watery base as compared to normal paint
1: no they're they're incredible so they 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 cover completely so that it's not like a wash where it will pool in a certain area necessarily um the 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 deeper color within it will pool but then the the sort of the color underneath it covers like paint it's almost more like gel than it is um liquid like like a wash is really Uh, i I'd, i'd recommend just just getting one or two pots of it and spray a few models white and just play with them um If nothing else, for for flesh and for uh, black and white, they're absolutely perfect for. Yeah, the only thing I would say they're not super great on is
2: really big, huge, flat surfaces. Because they they need some texture, some variation in depth and size to work correctly. But like what, what Elliot said, they're apothecary white. Is an amazing white. I mean, you just put that over a couple shades of that over like a white undercoat and maybe do some highlighting. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, that looks like white. Uh, and white can be a challenging co- color to paint sometimes. Um, yeah, definitely try them out, uh, Kevin, if you hadn't. Um, just mess with a couple of things, especially their Gilliman flesh for like a flesh base coat is really good. Um, yeah, so Elliot's kind of identified, I think, in my opinion, too, some of the some, some of the things that the contrast does super well. Uh, and they're, they're Blood Angels Red. They have a red color, which I really, really, really love. Um, uh, yeah, so some really nice p- paints in that line, for sure. Um, well, awesome. We're going to take a break. And then on the other side, we're going to come back with our main topic, which is an army review for the Order of the Green Lady. So we'll be right back. This is Paige from Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Fan Fanti.
3: Do you take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment? Countercharge after dark. It's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link.
2: And we are back. Um, so today we're going to talk about Order of the Green Lady. And as we go through the episode, I have a bunch of questions from you guys that we're sort of going to be weaving in as we talk. And one from Nick Brooks asks, and this is a great question. I think this is a really interesting way to start off an Army review. He, uh, he says, uh, give us the elevator pitch. Why should a new newbie player play Green Lady over Brother Mark? So I really like that idea of sort of an elevator pitch. So why don't we do that? Uh, let's start with you, Elliot. What would be sort of your your quick pitch on why you like Order of the Green Lady or why to play it?
1: Uh, so I, I think the the main thing for me is the the amount of character the list has. Um, I really love the sort of the Arthurian legend mixing water elementals and knights together, um, and that that whole mythos behind it. Um, you know that, that is borrowing from quite a few different mythologies. That's throughout history Um, and then in terms of gameplay wise Order of the Green Lady plays differently to almost any other uh, army out there Um, my main army in 2nd edition was Forces of Nature Um, and I absolutely loved them I love all the different ways of playing with them but what they were crying out for was a melee 3 punchy unit Um, and then 3rd edition rolled round and you could have all those cool unique interactions with Forces of Nature but now you've got punchy knights and that really hard-hitting unit. So it gives you a play style that, that doesn't exist anywhere else in the game. Um, really, really hard-hitting, very fast, lots of regen and lots of staying power, um, but in a different package to how you might see it in other armies. And what about you, Kevin? Sort of that rift on
2: that same topic of what kind of pulls you into Order the Green Lady?
3: First off, clearly... I'm a fanboy of all things knights. So, you know, the listeners should take this with a healthy amount of of salt. But in in my humble opinion, I think the Order of the Green Lady is the best iteration of a knight-themed army in the past at least two, if not three decades of wargaming. And and, and why I say that is, and here's where you got to put your your tinfoil hat on, is because the issue with knight-themed armies are the knights themselves, because when we think of knights, it, when they come to our mind, we have the, you know, in a knight-themed army, we think of this row or a lance of knights charging across the battlefield, right? Pounding the ground, making it shake, and then hitting the, the enemy. And you see body parts and, you know, things all flying up into the air. If I'm a, and again, here's the tinfoil hat part. If I'm a, a game designer, that's actually a big issue for me cuz i i when i think of that i go well that means that they're really fast that means that they're really strong they're really well armored and the knight mythos is is that they're really high nerve and so there's like this oh boy if we don't handle this really carefully these could be the the most op unit and the op armor in the entirety of uh, of whatever game you're making so I feel like very often the result is, is that you get more of a conservative creation when it comes to knights. And you can kind of see it in the second edition where, where basically they all have thunderous charge and there's really no access or multiple choices of access to Bane chant. And so what the Order of the Green Lady really does with the inclusion of like the forces of nature is provide them with something besides that offensive punch because you can't go push that too far it provides them with what elliot's talking about which is that idea of grindiness there's an absolute ton of ways to remove damage that your armor takes uh your army takes now whether that's through regen or heal or the vial of sacred water or the radiance of life and that's And that's really important with a knight-based army because a lot of those times when when your knights come crashing into the enemy, they're not going to break it on the charge. And that means that if you have thunderous charge and the enemy hits you back, you really have no way to stay offensive. So you need to absorb that punch. But they also gave them that access to bane Bane chat that they were absolutely needing and that allows them to maybe not beat them in the first round, like that night theme that we traditionally have in our in our minds, but allows them to keep them in the fight long enough that on the second or the third round, now you're removing units. And so if you really like a strategic army, this really is the army for you.
2: Cool. And you, and you, you guys bring up a little bit there. You know, you talk about grindiness, you talk about speed. You know, Steve recently on... Um... Uh, death by dragons has been doing a lot of like uh, talking about list building and and different types of units within Kings of War, sort of touching on these archetypes that we're all familiar with, like the alpha strike, the grind list, you know, combined arms, you know, and it's one question Brian ring posed on the Facebook page, talking about uh, the green lady and alpha strike, you know, with their redemption Knights with sharpness or peg Knights or whatever. What do you guys feel about the different archetypes of armies that, green lady can play can it play a bunch of different archetypes does it work better in sort of one build or another build or what do you think elliot as far as archetypes the army works in
1: i mean it's definitely alpha strike um it has some of the best alpha strike units in the game Um, a huge amount of speed and fast chaff to, to go alongside it i wouldn't describe it as a grinding army but i would describe it as a it's a very resilient army so it, it's very very easy to bring an army that is entirely regenerating with radiance of life and sacred water and heal um but it doesn't win those fights just by being there and grinding your opponents down uh, it uses all of that regeneration to still be at full strength when it, it then punches you again and whereas i would say grind army is more like zombies or something along those lines that just wins through sheer attrition the green lady kind of uses all that ability to stay fresh to make up for the fact that it's almost always going to be outnumbered so i don't know what the name of that is in terms of an archetype but again i think it's quite unique within kings of war which i love
2: yeah because you bring up a really good point because that's the issue when you play alpha right which is if your alpha doesn't alpha hard enough you get baited and you die right so it's yeah. like that question of alpha, alpha strike struggle when you don't, when you have bad dice variants or you bounce or you do stuff like that and then you get counter punched and then you got, okay, well I got to get them on my second go. So I think that is something the green lady does do really interestingly, which is it gives you some staying power to sort of help hedge against that initial alpha, not getting where getting you where you need to be. Um, Kevin, do you, have you usually played Green Lady as more of a speed sort of alpha list, or what? What has sort of your experience been? What style of Green Lady have you played?
3: Yeah. Okay. So in in my mind, when I hear Alpha Strike, I hear like, or I think of like Varenger units and Northern Alliance units, like a single like a single unit that comes touch you and it just removes your toy off the off the table. And I don't think a lot of units in the order of the Green Lady can do that by themselves. At least for me, historically speaking, a unit of Knights, it's a rare occurrence where they can simply just touch a unit and go, boop, get it off. But to your point, what I think the, and I don't know what the name of it is, but what they really do well is, is the idea of threat projection. They, They have so many units that either have high speed and or like Pathfinder, that your enemy constantly has to be thinking about, not getting about hit by one unit, but by hitting by multiple charges. And what I think the Order of the Green Lady does really well is because of that threat projection, it really slows down your opponent's battle line. And, and it makes them react to you rather than you having to react to them. And so you can slowly, through a couple of turns, I usually wait until turn three or even turn four until I have the enemy in such a situation where I can then jump on them with a couple of my units and start kind of rolling up flanks, you know, turning them, pushing them into uh, positions where I can ultimately get the advantage.
2: Yeah. It's like using that speed, right? To set everything up so that when you do charge, you charge with your whole army Are you engage them, you know, in all the spots where you want to be doing the engaging, um, Having played sort of Basilian Speed, which is, I think, somewhat similar to Order of the Green Lady, uh, I I think the the thing, learning how to be patient when you have a fast army is something that can be a challenge, right? Because you have so much speed on turn two, you're like, I could charge everywhere. But really, it's like, should you charge? Because for these lists that do rely on this sort of alpha strike, when you do engage, you need to make sure that you're doing work at that point, because... You, you know, you're committed at that point. And because you don't have super grindy stuff, usually, if, if you if you use your speed and pick bad charges, usually it's not going to be a good day.
3: Um, can, I, can I also bring up something else yeah, about go this? For it. uh, because it's movement-based, I always find that it, it makes for the most exciting games. Because I, a lot of people don't like getting shot to death. Or when you have that super killy unit, just be just, a you know, running rampant but what a lot of people really do enjoy is the dance and i think the order of the green lady does the dance exceptionally well and so being able to create this complex puzzle for your opponent to kind of like think about really get your opponents and yourself into this into that moment into this game um and really it's all about you right there's no there's no luck component to it it's just you make these choices, you set yourself up, and it creates a really great game for both you uh, and everybody involved.
2: See, that's what I love to hear, is an acknowledgement of your opponent's fun with your own list design. See, that's a, if we all just did a little more of that, we'd live in a happier, cuddlier world. I think there's something to be said, right? That high risk, high reward are, are armies that pay dividends when you play correctly. it makes It does feel good. You know, I mean, it is a rewarding playstyle, I think. So, um, so normally when we do these army lists, what we'll do is we talk about all the units, and then we talk about, especially for those armies that Mantic does not make models for, we sometimes will give you guys suggestions on, hey, here's here's a company that might make a model that would be good for this unit, etc. This, this episode, we're going to do it a little different because I think so much of what brings us to wanting to play – I know for me and I know for Kevin and for some other people, Elliot – is often the, the whole idea of the knight Arthurian fantasy, the look of the, the army, the feel, the flavor. And since Order of the Green Lady is so rich and strong with flavor, before we get to the specific units, I wanted us to talk a little bit about model companies first. Um, about uh, uh, what we think works well for this list. Um, so, Elliot, why don't you go first? Um, I know there's the classic GW Bretonians, but any, any other companies
1: or, or models that sort of stick stick out in your head as good for this army? Yeah, I mean, my knights are all Fireforge, and I absolutely love those models. Um, I originally had the, I think it was the Byzantine knights, and I've now picked up some of the Albion ones because they've just started doing a fantasy range. Um, and they're really nice models because they, they come with all the the stag antler helmets. Um, they're, they're, they're the perfect mix for me of still grounded in reality and history, but with the fantasy elements attached to them. Um, and they also do the, the really nice peg knights, um, which are worth picking up even if you don't collect an army that needs them because you will always at some point need peg knights in your life.
2: Yeah, Fireforge is really great. I've used them, actually, those Albion knights are my knights in my uh, Basalian army. So they are just like a... You described it perfectly. It's just a really nice mixture of a classic knight, but with just like the hint of fantasy. Um... Yeah, so as for your basic knights, they are really great, and also too those Peg knights are fantastic, and then they won't tr- you won't have to sell your first child to get them <laughs> like you would if you were trying to find Bretonian yeah. Pegasus knights. Um, what about you, Kevin? I know you used to, you have a lot of regular Bretonians, or, or sorry, old GW stuff. Any other companies or lines you you like for this sort of style of miniature?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um we we kind of actually live in like a renaissance of new knight sculpts. Uh, and I I'd actually point to one that's a little outside the norm uh, because I w- when I'm creating my new army um and this is in the uh, in the plans for 2021, I called them the Shadow Fang Order. Basically, they're like the hunters for the Green Lady. And so my my whole like head cannon was like, after the edge of the abyss, like the force still has pockets of evil resistance. And so they send these guys in like wolves to go hunt them out, sniff them out, and and to do the dirty work of the green lady. And and so with that thought, I thought they kind of like would take on more of a, like a wolf pack identity and start to take on those aspects of the forces of nature. So I actually went with a, a lot of privateer Press's uh, Circle of Orbros. So if you kind of look at their druids, the, they've got they've got some armor. They're they're riding I don't know rams that look kind of uh, pretty cool. Uh, they've got these like wolf characters over there. There's some really interesting models if you want to get more nature esque and less Arthurian. Uh, but if you're looking for more Arthurian, I would say that um, Etsy is your friend. In one of the ones that really inspired me uh, for the beast of nature was actually my first model that I got was if you search forest dragon Etsy, it's this sweet forest dragon with with these leaf wings coming out of it and it's looking very sleek. It's got everything going for it. Um, uh, the other two that I, I could come up with is Highland miniatures. So if you've got like a 3D printer or you got a buddy. For a 3D printer, they have all these really great sculpts that are coming out just recently. Everything from your traditional Pegasus Knights to uh, to Foot Knights uh, foot to your regular Knights uh, Errants. They're really cool. Um, and my last piece would be uh, the Song of Ice and Fire, the Baratheon line. They've got basically knights with antlers on their helms and they have that whole deer theme going for them that whole nature theme that might inspire somebody to start one
2: yeah the the, the ice of the uh, Game of Thrones miniature game does have some cool miniatures've I haven't seen any of them in person I think they are a little they're like super heroic 25 millimeter yes. so I think I think they are a little bit bigger but when it comes when, in my opinion when it comes to that if your whole army is of the same scale, and it's slightly bigger, it's no problem. I think the only issue you run into sometimes maybe if you have one unit from one company and then another unit from another company and the scale is not matched correctly, it could look a little wonky. Those are great models. Also, too, for me, what I think I'm going to do is um, Lost Kingdoms has done a Kingdom of Mercia Kickstarter, which is coming out with STL files. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I know there's been a lot of buzz around that list. Uh, are those models coming out, which... If I was to describe them, they're like a modern reinterpretation of the classic Bretonian line. So if you love the classic Bretonian line but wanted to see it done, you know, in a sort of more modern design aesthetic, along with some just crazy, like they have one where it's a like a lady wizard lying on the back of a unicorn and just like
1: just insane stuff. Yeah, they're, they're basically Bretonnia on speed. Yes,
2: essentially <laughs> they're, they're,
1: they're Bretonnia plus.
2: Yeah, beautiful, it's like. Someone was like, "Let's just take." It's like the Spinal Tap of Britonia, right? You got to turn it up to 11. Um, but I think I finally I, found someone who can, who's has got a resin print for me, because um, that's just a hobby I don't have time, energy, space, or money to
1: get into. But I'm happy to pay you to be my resin guy. So um, I, I'm, I can't wait to see see those minis actually in the flesh, because I'm I'm the skeptical cynic that sees all these beautiful renders and thinks, well. Is there a reason nobody's made models that look like that yet? But I I I really want to be proved wrong because they're gorgeous. The gorgeous renders. I just hope they become gorgeous minis as well.
2: Me too. So I'm just hoping that I think if you have the correct equipment or the know-how, that's the thing with resin printing. You just got to have that base of knowledge to do. Um, So I'm going to get a couple units of that. I think when it comes out, um, I think all of the different they hit all their uh, thresholds to essentially release every little bit um uh for that i'm going to try to do it because bretonia and that classic knight army is an army that i've always wanted ever since i was like a little kid uh w- watching like uh movies about knights and stuff like that so i think if i am going to do that project i'm just going to go balls to the walls and just try to no spare no expense and then kind of tr- have that be like a showpiece army so but we've talked a little bit about all the, you know, you could go Fireforge Games this is a really great one. I think that's probably one of my biggest ones as far as if you want something that's cool but that's available that you can find and that's cost effective. Really, those Fire Fireforge, I can't recommend checking out their that line enough. And then uh, Kevin had some great suggestions and stuff like that too. So there's plenty of stuff out there. It's just gonna you're gonna just gonna have to do a little research to kind of figure out what style or motif, but um definitely plenty plenty to choose from for that for that style army. So awesome. We're gonna take another quick break and when we come back we're gonna get into the actual army special rules and then we'll start going through the lists. So we'll be right back.
3: This is the spy master, Dojo's Everyman, handsome Tom Annis, and you're listening to Countercharge. This is Scarface. I'm
1: the great Khan
3: and this is Rico Radisquico. And we're
2: the
0: War Kings, and you're listening to Counter Charge.
2: Yeah. And we are back. Okay, so before we get into the actual units, let's just touch briefly on a couple of uh, Order of the Greens Lady's Army special rules. So they have access to uh, Vial of Sacred Water and Banner of the Green Lady. Elliot, you want to take us through these two and maybe talk about where you think where it stands on as far
1: as uh, special army stuff? Yeah, so the, the Banner of the Green Lady is a sort of a, a unique upgrade for the Order of the Brotherhood. They're, they're kind of core standard cavalry units. Um, and it, it gives Pathfinder, it's 15 points for a regiment or 20 points for a horde. Um, it, it's a very good item, isn't it? It's a, a slightly cheaper version of Pathfinder for the regiment, um, which for a lot of people it's their go-to item anyway. Um, it means you can either have Two sources of Pathfinder. It also means that you can have Pathfinder and something else if you really want to to rack up the cost on your unit. Um, I think if you if you're going to take Pathfinder on your order of the Brotherhood, there's no reason not to take the banner to do it, and then you can go from there. Really, um, Vial of Sacred Water. I don't like myself. Um, I really like the cool idea that you can you can give the um, so, so the, the Vial of Sacred Water, it, it's effectively that the old healing brew. So it's uh, D3 damage restored. Um, and then it also gives you the keyword Sacred Water, um, which means that the... Um, I was to say damsel, but she's not a damsel. Devoted. Devoted. Uh, her um, Radiance of Life special rule also affects you. Um, I just find it at 10 points just to be a little bit too expensive for what it does. Um it's quite situational, is the Devoted's um, Radiance of Life. And then for 10 points for D3 damage back for me, I don't often find it that worth it. Um, not when you've already got Regeneration, Radiance of Life, Heal, lots of other ways of, of getting damage back. I think it just just tips units a little bit too expensive. But I know other people do like it. It's just For me, it, it just tips units over the edge.
3: On the vial of sacred water, I I have that same feeling that it's just just a little too expensive for what it does, especially with the the healing potion is, you know, five points for for D2. So you got a 33 percent chance or whatever the math is there to get that extra third wound. And yeah, it's nice to have the the sacred uh, water tag on you, but then you got to pay another 15 points on the devoted to get the radiance of life. And, and so you're really putting a lot of points into something that's that's doable, but I don't know if it's truly optimal.
2: And sometimes special rules like this, in and of itself, you're like, oh, what does ten points mean? But it means that like to get full value from it, you have to like go in on it, like you said, right? Where you're getting it the valid the the vial on your units, you're getting the devoted, you're getting the devoted with the with the. Uh, the radiance of life. So it's not just something you get for 10 points to make, to get full value. You have to sort of build around it a little bit too, which next thing you know, you've spent maybe 50, 60 points or something that could be, you know, almost in the whole other unit someplace else. Is that sort of what
1: you guys are talking about? Yeah, I think one of the, the better uses for it, if you are going to use it is on actually a a bent arms horde. Um, and I quite like taking the vial and then the healing brew alongside it. Um, because when when you've got the twenty twenty two nerve, you've are far more likely to survive the first hit. Um and at that point the D three and then the D two heal can actually bring you back enough that you're you're still going to be around for a third round of combat rather than just two. Um but for anything else with a, with a lower nerve, more like fifteen, seventeen, I I don't often find you get the value out of it. Yeah, because that's usually what happens with
2: defense 4 hordes, right, is that you'll survive the first round, but if you're if you're against anything with any sort of combat ability, you're not going to survive round 2, usually, unless you're yeah. able to take a bunch of those wounds off that defense 4 in the beginning. Well, why don't we just go ahead and go into that? They're, they're our first unit, the men-at-arms retainers, so why don't you go ahead and, Kevin, take it away and talk to us about men-at-arms retainers.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The men-at-arms retainers are your standard infantry block with standard stats. So they come in troops, regiments, hordes, um, unit strength one, three, and four, respectively. Uh, 10, 12, and 25 attacks. Uh, Troops are 70 points. The regiment is 105. The horde is 175. Uh, Their speed's five. Their melee is four plus. Their defense is four uh, four plus. Uh, They got some special rules. Headstrong, and they can uh, have the option of the Vial of Sacred Water for 10 points. Historically speaking for me, this is my go-to choice. They're almost on all all my lists because there there are a rare few horde choices in this army. And so personally, I love taking them. Uh, I can't remember the last time I actually got the headstrong rule to ever come up and it be you know, any way effective, but they are relatively cheap for what they do. And I know there's a whole discussion debate about whether or not the hammer of measured force, uh, force is worth it. But I think in the army list, it is because it gives you another somewhat decent, okay, offensive punch especially because this one tends to go up against other grindy uh, anvil types. I'm thinking uh, Earth Elemental hordes. What do you guys think?
2: Well, I know I'll say I'm getting in the way of the pie that Elliot is throwing at you right now because I know Elliot has an opinion <laughs> on the Hammer of Megasaurus. So I, I love and it. And I,
1: I love it when my opponent takes it and wastes those <laughs> points. I, I encourage yeah. everyone to take it. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I do like what you,
2: I do like what you said, Elliot. Looking at the Men at Arms retainers with healing brew and vial of sacred water, that's 190 points for like a, a pretty survivable. Like I need something in the middle battle line that can just you know sit on
1: a central objective or just take up space. I I love Men at Arms. I, I'm I'm the same. I, I don't think I've I think maybe once or twice ever taken a list that doesn't include these. Um, I actually tend to take them in regiments purely because. I use them for unlocks and then, um, objective babysitting. Um, I, I find the headstrong comes up all the time actually, but I think for the, for the, that, that is that kind of perfect spot to get wavered by small arms fire. So oh, having the headstrong oh, yeah. is, is really, really useful for passing it and then being able to hide somewhere or, or get out of the way. Um, what I also like with these is that they're, they're cheap enough with everything else is so expensive that you can have them at the back and just leave and ignore them. Um, they can hold the table zone in control. They can sit on a pillage token. Um, they're also excellent for guarding against flyers uh, because I know they're not going to do a lot of damage, but they'll usually get that one through. And you can just have them in your back corners, just watching your flanks. Um, and if a flyer charges them, then with the headstrong, they are more likely just to grind out that little bit longer. But I, I do like the hard option, and I do occasionally get it into my list. So just. Uh, my playstyle tends to use more smaller units for Green Lady.
3: Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, like, how many regiments do you usually take there, Elliot?
1: Uh, two. I've usually got because one because I need them for the unlocks, and also that that I find that 210 points is just enough that you can invest it and not care if all they do is sit on the back all game. Um, anything more than that, you're really digging into your ability to to fight, because these are fighters. <laughs>
2: And Elliot brings up a good strategy too. Often, um, when you're playing certain scenarios, like Pillage is one where, when, I, when and I use, I do this with my Gur Panthers all the time, right? So if there's a map we're playing Pillage, right? And let's say there's a forest on both sort of sides, somewhat near the deployment zones. I sometimes will like to put a Pillage token behind the forest on each side of the board. So whatever side I get, I can just put a troop of Gur Panthers behind a forest. And they'll just sit, and they're 80-some-odd points or whatever. And if I don't really need them as a, a crucial chaff piece, I just put them on the objective token and don't ever move them the entire game. And then that means my opponent has to come and get them off the token. And then if he does, he's coming into that threat projection range, like what, what uh, Kevin was talking about, which coming into all my charges. And often I've found if you're playing any sort of speedless, your opponent just won't ever even try to get there. So, all of, so right off the bat you're playing pillage and you're up two tokens. Are you up a token? Um, The the Regiment's units are three as
1: well. Sorry.
3: Can I point out also, and and I really like this, because Elliot is coming at the Order of the Green Lady in a different way than I am. And I think that says more about the army than either of our particular perspectives. And and I I really wanted to point out that the Order of the Green Lady is so flexible for what you want to do with the army that you can just keep making different army lists over and over and over again, and they'll still be competitive and fun to play. I remember at the best of the rest, uh, the other order of the green lady player was just like, man, I, I, I just want to go and paint more of these guys so I can try out more combinations. It's really cool.
2: Okay. Awesome. Well, next on the list, uh, Elliot
1: has order of the brotherhood on foot. Yeah. So these are, these are your, your foot knights, the guys that have inexplicably lost their horses. Um, So they they come in troops or regiments, they're speed 5, melee 3, defense 5, they've got 10 and 12 attacks respectively, 11-13 nerve and 15-17 nerve for the regiment, Uh, they also have headstrong and can also buy violet circuit water, Um, and they come in at 95 points for the troop and 145 points for the regiment. Yeah, they're a really really nice, sturdy little unit. They're very similar to the um, Basilian Paladin uh, Foot Knights, uh, just without Iron Resolve. And yeah, if you're going down the infantry route and you've got the spare points, there's not a lot of reason not to upgrade to these guys. Um, I don't tend to have them because, as I said, I, I tend to use my regiments just sat at the back Hiding on points, um, so there's no reason to go for the extra 40 points worth of rules. But when you look what you get for that 40 points, if you are going to have these units up, you know, getting involved with everything, you're know, you getting a lot for it. You're getting the extra nerve, the extra defense, the extra melee. Um, Yeah, they're they're a really nice unit for the cost.
3: I I usually include one regiment in my army lists to sit on the weak flank, uh, because I do a lot of speed lists, Uh, i usually have one heavy flank it's kind of what's called the oblique strategy so you throw all your stuff on one side and then you have a weak side that tries to keep itself alive for as long as it can so you don't get into that kind of like toilet bowl thing as enemies you know every unit's kind of like running around the field trying to chase each other um and so if you can combine that with a beast of nature on your weak flank it becomes this really difficult pairing for your opponents to dig out, and so if you, it, it, it's a really good keeping enemy units occupied to allow your other side to wipe out uh, the opposition.
2: Yeah, fifteen seventeen defense five is not something you can just throw a little bit into and expect to kill it, right? You have to, if you choose to kill it, you have to send something legitimate, and then if you're sending something legitimate into foot knights, you're not using that in any of the other places so i could see that i like it like you said on, on a flank like that or if you do want to have a little bit more infantry grind it could it, you are getting a lot for your points i think this unit seems to me a big sort of what's your strategy deciding like it, if if you have a strategy where you need it for a certain thing it could be uh it's definitely worth the points um it's just gonna depend into your overall sort of army structure if it, if it has a role and then you could have the, you know, model wise, maybe there might just be used love foot knights. You know what I mean? So it could be just something to the the theme or fluff of the army you, you really like.
1: I'm I, I to say, and I, I love the aesthetic of, of yeah. foot knights, I think they're just fantastic. Um, sadly, all the models I've got also for my Basilians, so they've all got 200 weapons, which they can't take here. So I might have to buy myself some more, more foot knights.
2: Yeah, uh, that is interesting. That is interesting, right? Because there is no crushing strength option on this uh, unit to go down to defense four and pick up the CS one. So you're you're taking them as defense five or not at all. Um, okay. Next on the list, we have, and this is an interesting question, as we'll talk about when we're we're going to go over the Naiad and and Naiad Heart Piercers next. And one of the interesting things that came up, and, and Elliot's already mentioned it. Um, is this idea of unlocks, right? You have so many awesome choices with this army trying to get the unlocks. I think is probably something we're going to discuss. And this is one thing pa- our friend Paige Neo brings up is with the new changes from um, Halpie's Rift, the Nyad uh, heart piercers unlock, but the ensnares still do not unlock. Um, so let's take a look at the ensnares. Uh, they're coming from the over from the main list from the uh forces of nature so they come in troops regiments and hordes 90 140 and 230 points speed five melee four plus defense three plus they have 10 12 and 25 attacks but really the magic of the nyan snares right comes from pathfinder and snare to help uh cut that defense three a little bit but also they regen on uh four ups um so what do you guys think? I, I, I have a couple questions. Is what do you guys think about this unit in general? And do you think the fact that the heart piercers now unlock that seems a little odd? That the shooty version unlocks, but the infantry one doesn't. Maybe you go go first, Elliot. What are your, as being on the RC? What are your thoughts on these uh, on the ensnarers?
1: Yeah, I mean, so thematically, I, I totally understand why they didn't unlock to start with. Um, for me, Green Lady is an order of knights and has nature allies effectively. Nature has come to help them out. Um, so it wouldn't make sense to have a whole army of naiads and then the odd knight here and there. Um, so I, I do like that theme and that way of playing. In terms of the heart piercers and the ensnarers, the, the, the honest truth is, is that heart piercers were kind of inadvertently made regular um, because they were made regular in the, the parent list of forces of nature. And we were, were so limited on text space that we didn't want to include another line in Clash 21 saying, but not in Order of the Green Lady. Um, and also, I don't think it's in any way game-breaking that Hat Pierce is a regular also in in Green Lady. Um, but it wasn't necessarily something that we looked at and said, that's an active thing we want to do. It was just that with all of the things that we wanted to fit in those two pages, it wasn't worth not also allowing it for Green Lady which sure. is why you've got this slightly strange thing now where the the melee version is irregular and the shooting one isn't, which is kind of backwards to how you would normally have it. Um, but in terms of a unit, I, I absolutely love ensnarers in my nature, and I love them in Trident Realms. But because they're irregular, I've never, ever taken them in Green Lady, only because, and again, my favourite part of Green Lady, which we'll get into is all of the toys you get in the hero and monster slots. So I I need unlocks in my list, and I am squeezing every last unlock I possibly can out of my lists. Um, and I'm always using every unlock that I've got. So there isn't a spare 230 points to take an irregular horde. And if you're taking in scenarios, you, you take the horde, because if you're not, then you're doing it wrong. And what do you think, Kevin?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat there. Uh, As far as my list constructions, there's never enough uh, points to get there, uh, particularly with the idea of unlocks. Uh, You know, and I wrote this in my own article when kind of reviewing the Order of the Green Lady. There are so many toys. There are so many cool things that you can take, but you have to pick and choose because there's never enough either points or unlock space to get them all. And so if you're going to take the, the nine snares, that's great. Just know that you're going to be sacrificing a choice or two to get um, to get them. Um, I've seen them do uh, wonders. Uh, I'm thinking of Corey Reynolds uh, with his forces of nature list that like ogres just would pound on them, pound on them. And they would just regen, heal it up and keep on going for, I want to say, like four straight turns. So they they do have that possibility, but you just know what you're getting into.
2: Yeah, regen four plus is crazy because four plus is that variance, right, where you can have, oh, you've done twelve damage to me, I regen eight. Or oh it happens. Like, it happens yeah, so much. You done, it's beautiful. Or you've done twelve damage to me, I've regen two. So it's one of those things that could be either could that could yeah. be frustrating or absolutely soul crushing, you know, a view where that unit just won't ever go away, ever.
1: I, I will say though, there there is a very genuine and very powerful Green Lady list, which is all infantry. Um, and in that list, Insanera really do have a place because because you've got so many more unlocks because you you're not spending 200 plus points on every every knight regiment. Um, so if you're taking you know four or five or all, all of the Brotherhood on foot, a couple of Insanera hordes, some retainers, some Heart piercers, that's the same kind of points as it would be to take the equivalent you know units and knights for unlocks. But then you actually got far more unlocks than you normally would. So in that situation, I could definitely see Ensnarers working really well alongside Order of the Brotherhood on foot. Um, I just don't think they work as well alongside Knights and the more expensive units. Yeah, and that makes sense too. when when sometimes when,
2: when you're trying to do a majority speed if you have those couple of units that are that are slower that you that are too expensive to just leave in the backfield on an objective right you need to get to try to get some sort of value sometimes they just get outspeeded by the rest of your army and they get left behind and they're not really helping you maintain the battle line or 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 whatever when you ha- are having to spend a little bit more points for them i found um well, awesome. Kevin, why don't you take us through the other sort of uh, part of the Naiads, the NIAD Heart Piercers?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, NIAD Heart Piercers, uh, they only come in troops and regiments uh, that are 120 points and 160 points, uh, respectively. Uh, unit strength 1 and 2, uh, with attacks of 8 to 10, and a nerve of 9 11, 13, 15. Like NIADs, uh, the other naiads they have a regen of 4 plus they do have their lovely harpoon guns which have an 18 inch range piercing one and steady aim they follow the basic infantry rules more often than not with speed five uh melee uh, five five plus rather range four plus and defense three plus so i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest here uh i've never taken them (laughs) uh and i've never actually come across them in in third edition yet Um, And when I look at them from an Order of the Green Lady perspective, I go, well, other units can do these jobs and maybe a little bit better. Like if you want somebody to sit on something, maybe you take a regiment of men at arms. Or if you want to take a shooting attack, maybe you just throw the 15 points on the beast of nature. I'm I'm actually looking to to you, Elliot, looking to you, Jeremy, to help me get my head around this thing. Any ideas on how to
1: do this thing? I absolutely love them. (laughs) They are probably one of the strongest things in the list, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they're very, very, very good. Um, people people started to notice them at the start of 2nd edition heart piercers, um, and then they lost some of their rules that weren't really what were making them good anyway, and everyone just ignored them in 3rd edition. Um, they're just... Take, I take three regiments of them. Um, they are one of those units that you I think you either invest heavily into or don't bother with. Um, but three regiments is 30 shots. Now, imagine 30 shots hitting on falls and then we're piercing one every single turn, Um, and they they delete units in one go. (laughs) Against defense five, that's an average of eight damage a turn. Uh, Against defense four, it's an average of, what is it, 15 hits, 10 damage a turn. Um, Yeah, and they absolutely melt. And then what you do is you just point... you you have the three of them there they're all scoring if you want to charge one of them that's fine but there's always a beast of nature watching over them um so you either just accept you're going to get shot or you charge them and the beast of nature kills you um and if you're charging my heart pierces then you're not paying attention to the knights and the water elementals and the um order of redemption so So, uh, this is like a weak flank thing like you, these are like. So oh no, th- these are front and center. Really? They're, yeah. So, so they cool. they sit in the middle of the board. Um, they just project their threat across the entire board, because they've got a twenty one inch, no, twenty, um, three inch range. Right. So they've got a huge range. They can move and shoot. Um, and you just make sure that. But I basically I I go into this assuming that all three of them are going to die. But before they die, they are going to earn their points back and then some because they're either going to totally dictate the flow of play because my opponent's going to ignore them, or they're going to underestimate them until they're shot for the first time and then people start to pay attention to them because I'll delete a regiment of knights or they'll, just, they'll take a unit off in one go if they're all hot quite, quite easily. Um, or you charge them and then I just swarm you with water elementals that are stood nearby and surge into you while something happens. Yeah, I love these guys. And now they unlock yes.
3: That is such a cool way of playing them. That's a really cool thing. Yeah.
1: People and I know I, I understand I I do know people play them as troops. I, I understand why, because the amount of shots doesn't go up a whole lot. But at the thirteen fifteen it means that you have to commit to kill them because their regen really kicks in at thirteen fifteen. So you can't lightning bolt them because even if you waver them, you've got, they'll regen most of it back and so you have to charge to kill them, which is, is really powerful. Because you can always make sure you're set up in a position where charging one of these is a bad idea.
2: Yeah, and I know in the past, Elliot, you and I have talked about, and I think it's becoming less of an issue. But uh, earlier on in in the edition, the 18-inch Piercing One shooting units were undervalued, I think. And now uh, people are kind of coming back to them a little bit. But I also agree with both you guys. I think these units are amazing. Amazing. Because not only do they have the shooting and regen, but it's very easy to try to uh, deploy them in terrain or near terrain or force-hinder charges. So essentially you turn them into ensnarers and that there will be minus one to hit on that first charge. And then at 1315 with regen, like you said, you have to commit something to kill them. And then it seems like the Order of the Green Lady has so many tools... Like, all their uh, characters or beasts of nature or whatever, that if they get into a flank, it's go time. So uh, I agree with you. I think these units are... Uh, and I think that's why you take them, Elliot. Like you said, you take them in the regiment over the troop. It's because then you they also can serve a role as a stopgap just stopping a unit and that you can then flank or, or get with all your other speed elements. So, yeah, I think these guys
1: yeah. are awesome. The, th- 30 shots a turn is just terrifying. And it's so fun picking up 30 dice all at once. <laughs> but, if, you know, if you, if you think about... Imagine that as a melee unit that had 30 melee for crushing one attacks, and that would be your real top-end combat horde. And these guys can do it from 18 inches away without any threat to themselves. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, they're just lovely. And like you
2: said, if you if you, if you try to... Th- Britton Williams always talks about this in our games, where he's talking about an army that you create that puts your opponent on a clock, Right. Where these are the type of unit that put your opponent on the clock, in. if your opponent's trying to stay out of your 16-inch charge range is just out, you know, of, of the typical night charge range, and trying to maneuver, well, they're getting shot the whole time. So it's like, yeah. oh, if you, if you don't want to charge me, that's fine, I'm just going to shoot you for a couple turns, and then you're going to have to come near me anyway, because I outspeed you everywhere else on the board. So it puts your opponent in a really tough spot, I think.
1: Absolutely. I, I do think that uh, Order of the Green Lady is, is where heart piercers are the strongest. Um, purely because, as you say, they they decide the tempo of the game. So they they force your opponent to have to come towards you, which we really want as green lady because we've got the speed advantage. So if they want to put themselves in charge range of the, um, the heart piercers, most likely they're in charge range themselves the next turn and they just get mobbed. And yeah, as exactly. you can tell, I, I like these guys. Let me just say, I, 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 I actually have a <laughs> full model count, modeled up heart faces. They've got three regiments of them. I like them a lot. Awesome. Okay, well, now
2: we're going to transition. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Kevin?
3: Oh, I was just want to say that I I know what I'm going to paint up next. I'm just going to all my other models away you know, <laughs> from the board and just do 30 of these guys. That's awesome.
2: Well, cool. Now we're going to transition into the cavalry, uh, some of the more uh, sort of uh, trademark or units that you would think about when uh, doing Order of the Green Lady. So Elliot's going to take us off first with the Order of the Brotherhood.
1: Yep. So Order of the Brotherhood, this is kind of your, your meat and two veg standard unit for, for um, Order of the Green Lady. So they are um, speed eight, melee three, defense five, um They've got 16 attacks for the regiment and 32 attacks for the horde, because you get a horde here, which is brilliant. Uh, the regiment has 15-17 nerve, so slightly higher than your sort of baseline kings and men knights. Uh, and the horde has 22-24 nerve, which on defence five is is a lot. Um, they come with the Headstrong, Special Rule, and Thunderous Charge 2. Uh, they can buy Violet Circuit Water, and as we've already mentioned, they can have the unique upgrade of Banner of the Green Lady, which is Pathfinder for 15 points for the regiment or 20 points for the horde. Um, they're just a very solid all-round knight unit. There's nothing to dislike about them, I don't think. and Yeah, they're, they're good.
2: Yeah, so I know Keith Randall asks, uh, uh, how many hordes should you take? And then I think of Croger, also the same same deal. What do you guys are you guys running this in regiments? Are you taking it in, in a horde and just going all in, getting it the Green Lady Banner plus Brew of Strength or, or something oh, like that? What what so what si- I know that's so pricey, right? Well, what sizes and, uh, are you guys running this unit in?
1: Uh, both, all of them, all of the above, everything. Um, I, I've I've used them at both levels, um, in various combinations. Um, I've run one horde or two. I've used 6 regiments once and that was really good. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a really a wrong build to go with these these guys. Um, the the 400 point Pathfinder Brewer Strength horde is tempting but I usually don't bother. Um, I would tend to say just go for the Brewer Strength, don't bother with the Pathfinder. Um, but I I think I play Night Horde slightly differently to most people, whereas I just see it as a a super infantry unit and accept that it's going to be hindered um so i don't really worry too much about yeah, that Yeah,
2: it's, because it's, it's the same size as an orc horde right so you kind yeah. of just envision it in that same sort of milieu right it's just like a heavy infantry that just moves eight yeah okay what about you kevin what's your thoughts on this unit
3: i, I traditionally run them as regiments i try my best to to do the hordes but i i have been <laughs> Hurt by double ones way too many times to uh, they get, they get stuffed and then they get flanked oh, yeah. and, and all bad things happen and you go, well, that, that was a nice game, <laughs> but I, I will say this. Um, clearly it's an auto include in that you need one regiment with, with the banner. But I I would say that that it gives you a, a really interesting choice that you don't normally see that you can then add another special item to make them into something that you need. Usually, when you pick a, a, a unit, it kind of then starts to limit where you where you got to go. Like, oh, well, I need a hammer. I need a um, uh, you know anvil. I need these types of lists or these types of units rather. But this, li- uh, but with that unit, you can then go. Well, what am I missing? And how can I turn this particular unit into that? So, do I need another uh, hammer unit? Oh, we'll throw a brew of strength on them. Do I need something that's a little bit you know, quicker? Maybe I'll throw the, uh, the, the speed item on them. So now you've got uh, elf cavalry. It's a really great piece that does a lot of different things depending upon what you need in your list.
2: And, and from a hobbyist perspective, what you can do with multi-basing on a knight horde is just so cool, right? If you do want to take them in a knight horde, you could do that for the love of the hobby but still be taking something that can work, right? Um, of doing like a cool lance formation or they're galloping over a big giant melee combat or whatever. So I think you could do some, some really nice things from the, from the model perspective. Uh, And it's nice to know that, that you're not doing it solely for the models and that it it can still work in the list. Uh, uh, I know a lot of Tom Robinson has played night hordes before, you know, I know the night horde in and of itself is, can be very effective. Um, so it's cool that you can do something hobby-focused but still have it give you value in the game. Awesome. Okay, next on the list, uh, another cavalry option. Uh, cavalry, not cavalry. Let's let get we'll get that correct here. Um, this is one of my favorite units, which is Order of Redemption. So this unit is another knight unit that's irregular that comes in either a trooper regiment. These are sort of the su- the, the heavy cab. Uh, a troop is 165, regiment is 250, uh, speed 8, defense 5, melee 3, headstrong thunderous charge 2. So all the, the sort of uh, accoutrements that you would think a knight unit have. But really what this unit gains is that they're inspiring, which is awesome. So they inspire themselves along your other battle line, plus uh, regen 5+, and they already have that sacred water ability. So uh, uh, I love knight's that are defense five that have regen five plus like Abyssal Cav. I mean, they're so good. Um, what do you guys, uh, think of this unit? It seems like it, it's a really good one.
1: Uh, yeah, this, this is my, my favorite unit in the list. I absolutely love order of the redemption. Um, this is actually the unit that really got me wanting to play Order of the green lady just because it, it looks cool on paper. Um, I love the idea of, of a, a unit that inspires that every one of them is a effectively a, a hero in itself. Um, as it really should be for an order of knights, that they've all got a backstory and they've all got a, a history behind them. Um, and then, yeah, Defense 5 and Regen 5 plus, these guys, you know, they stay alive longer than they've any right to. Um, and they've got 20 attacks. And Brew Sharpness is even cheaper now than it used to be on a regiment. So that you just take these on twos and they just delete things. And they're really, really nice. Yeah, I like that. Oh, them yeah. All.
2: Yeah, I forgot to mention the troop has ten attacks. The regiment has twenty attacks, twelve, fourteen, and then fifteen,
1: seventeen. But yeah. Yeah. I've never taken the troop. I keep I look at it all the time, and I just think one six five. Uh, it's just it's a lot of points for the the ten attacks. But it's also another inspiring source. So if you if you needed a bit more inspiring in your list, you couldn't quite afford the regiment, and you needed the unlocks elsewhere. It, it's as an option, but. I'm I'm not a big fan of, of night troops, full stop.
3: I, when I look at these, I think, especially in a uh, in a list that struggles to get all those unlocks, this is a very cheeky way of getting around that. Um, and I find that I, I always take them in smaller points games, especially when I can't get that BSB out there or I can't get another character out there. It's just a nice way of having an incredibly powerful unit. Um, and that also helps structure your battle line. It's, it's a really good unit.
2: Yeah. You know, Elliot mentioned it. I think some, some lists have, I've called them in the past, like a halo unit, you know, often in, in lines of cars, their most, uh, expensive or, are, uh, prestigious or the marquee car is like their halo car. And I think there's certain units in certain armies that it's sort of the reason why you want to play the army, or it's the reason that like draws you to the army, and for me, order a Green Lady. It's really the order of redemption or an order of the Forsaken that we'll get to in a minute. The Pegasus Knights, which those two units are sort of like, draw you to the army, uh, both from their flavor and theme, but also their ability on the table is being sort of like, why would you not? It's I hate to use the word auto include, but it's sort of like why you're playing the army is for some of these type of units, right?
1: Yeah, and and. They're not all to include necessarily for their rules are being too strong or too powerful, but just they're so cool, why would you not want it? Um, exactly, yeah. yeah. And you
3: can disagree with me, but I don't see them being traditionally offensively like incredibly powerful. I mean, they only have four more attacks than your standard Order of the Brotherhood unit, and you could throw that that plus one, the brew of sharpness on, on, uh, on the, on your regular night unit and still get pretty much the same thing. If not throwing the, um, the standard, the sacred standard on there. And now we've got a pathfinder unit with plus one or tinting on twos, it, but that saying there's nothing else that, uh, like an order of redemption. They're just too characterful. Yeah.
1: I I think as you said at the start as well, that this isn't the unit that's going to go in and delete everything by itself. Um, it will still need support. I mean, 20 attacks on twos with Thunderous Two is very, very good. Don't get me wrong, but it's um, it, it, as like I say, this isn't the, the most offensive killing machine out there. Um, w- what I really like about this is that it can it can charge, take a hit back, and then it's almost always going to be getting another round of combat, which is so valuable because the regen and the headstrong. And it, if it didn't have headstrong it wouldn't be anything like the unit it is. Um, if it didn't have regen it wouldn't be like. But if it didn't have self-inspiring so it can go do its own thing. It's just this lovely perfect combination of more than punchy enough and survivable enough. It's probably a good job that it's irregular because otherwise I'd just take lots of them.
2: What you see sometimes with knights uh, as far as objective gameplay is you're using them as hammers in the beginning part of the turn, the turns right first three or four turns. And then once you transition in the mid or end gameplay, you're often thinking about, okay, where are my objectives? Where are my board spaces? Sometimes there's value in just sticking a knight and having the knight unit not move anywhere because it's holding a board a board square, or you move it on to an objective. And often regular knights, by that point in the game, they've taken enough damage that they're susceptible to chip shooting at the end of the game, or they're in a position objective-wise where they're not near inspiring anymore, right? They're sort of on their own island. And I think that's really like the magic of this unit in that it's not only is it a little bit of better combat, but it has a lot of the tools from the toolkit to be able to play scenario play later in the game because they are, with that regen and inspiring, somewhat of a self-sufficient, self-sustaining unit. So as they're moving into position on turn 5 or turn 6, that's two turns of regen that they've had. So that as your opponent is like, Hail Mary, i got to shoot shoot that unit off an objective or whatever. That by the end of the game, if you're not paying attention, they've regened all their
1: wounds back. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we're talking about having a weaker flank. And actually, the, for me, the Order of Redemption are a perfect unit to put out on a flank by themselves. Because they, especially with the Brewer Sharpness, that they can, that 285 point unit can hold down a whole flank by itself, um, because it just doesn't charge all game. But as you say, you've either got to commit a lot to it, or you've got to risk that being around on turn five or six. Um, add an Abusive Nature to that as well, which the redemption Knights inspire, so it keeps it going alive. Um, and those two units could just shut down a whole half the board, if you know, your opponent isn't very careful.
3: So why isn't everybody playing the Order of the Green Lady? I mean, we are just the best army, aren't we?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We're we're bringing more to the fold, right? We're uh, uh, you just got to bring every tournament you go to, Kevin. You got to bring a sword, and then like you can knight people, but they have to come to you first, right? Before before they play Order of the Green Lady, and then you can knight them into the into the Brotherhood. So done and done so next event you you gotta i'll bring i'll bring the sword somehow i'll get it there and then you can knight me so that's what i'm looking forward to uh it's the little things in life right well awesome um so now we're gonna uh, move into some of the more uh sort of nature elements but some stuff that really continues to add a lot of flavor and uh uh interesting uh lists into uh order the green lady so kevin why don't you take us through water elementals
3: uh, so uh, water elementals are large infantry. Uh, they come in two different sizes, regiments and hordes, uh, unit strengths 2 and 3, uh, attacks 9, 18, with nerve dash 14 and uh, dash 17, respectively. Uh, their points are 130 points for the regiment and 220 points for the horde. They are speed 7, melee 4+, and defense 5+. Uh, Special rules. They have Crushing 1, Regeneration, Shambling, Strider, and they have the keywords Sacred Water and Water Bound. And I'm so glad I got to introduce these because I love water elementals. I I find them to be like a jack-of-all-trade unit, and I've traditionally taken them in the hordes. So you've got this... I don't put them on the extreme flank, but they kind of sit in between your core anvil units and then that that strike force that kind of tries to sweep across. Uh, and so they have this really great speed that they can kind of jump in and help either side. Um, that they can uh, that they can be regen clearly. That they're you know, they got that that, um, that toughness uh, that they can be surged. And uh, Mike McCready actually opened my eyes to how good they are as chaff. Even in regiments, they just hold up unless you really do commit to trying to take them off. And if you don't, then they just regen those things away, they get healed, and you're back to square one. I, I really like this unit.
1: Yeah, completely agree. They're, a, they're I think, hands down the best elemental unit. Um, and they just work so well in order the green lady. Um you know, the more Defence 5 regen, but on a cheaper package. Um, I, I, again, hordes and regiments are both excellent. I tend to take two hordes in every list, just for the unlocks. Um, but yeah, the regiment as chaff is just brilliant. It's so good. Um, it, it is just thick chaff. Yeah. Because What 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 do you do about it? Um, you know, it's Fearless 14 is an excellent nerf point for Defence 5, and it's got regen, and it's got strider, so... It's and, speed seven, right? and speed seven, right? And speed seven. And it's big, just yeah, a big and you can't you can't waver it, so it can't get in its own way. Yeah. They're they're they just pair so beautifully with knights because it doesn't matter that they're that bit slower because you've got so much other fast stuff that your opponent doesn't really want to come into to range of either. Um and yeah, there's the ability to have surge on there just just to protect things like your heart piercers. If if something's snuck through and you can spin around and get that that sneaky flank surge in. Um yeah, I really like these guys. They're they're kind of my my workhorse unlocking unit um that I have in almost every single list.
3: Okay. And I think the the term workhorse is the key idea with this. They're not going to be those stellar stars. They're not going to be you know slapping around all the units, but they're going to do exactly what you want and stay there. I cannot you try at least one horde if you're going to yeah. be in the Order of the Green Lady.
1: What I will say, though, is as long as you set your expectations incredibly low on the amount of damage they're going to do, you'll only ever be pleasantly surprised. (laughs) Just just assume every time they go in that they're going to do one damage at most. And and that's fine, because all they're there to do is hold them while something scarier comes in the flank. But occasionally they'll do okay, but melee for elementals, they just love to disappoint me. I do like for me, and I and we've talked on it.
2: To me, what I really love about them is just uh, outside of like red cab. A lot of thick chaff you have um, is speed six, or I'm granted they can't move at the double. But I really think the speed seven is like really nice. And then also, since they are shambling, strider over pathfinder is just so much better, right? Because you can't move at the double anyway, so. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's yes, just sir. such it's over the earth elementals that we'll do next is uh, is is the combination of
1: that strider with speed 7 is just so good. Um as far as being uh Yeah, I, I mean I, I sort of joke about how expect them to do nothing in combat, but with the strider there, they're at least consistent every single time. You know, they they will do a bit of damage. You know, they they will and if you get them in the flank, they, you know, they they all of us start to get scary. They'll still let you down, but they start to get scary. Um, what I would say with with these is don't ever put items on them. In my opinion, anyway. Um, I know a lot of people love nimble on water elementals, and I do understand why. Uh, but unless you're really investing heavily into surge elementals, I wouldn't bother. For me, in green Lady. I, I would just keep them cheap and cheerful.
2: And then the 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 whole sort of like nimble surge thing. It's like really amazing when you get it off, and if someone's not prepared for it, you can do stuff. But then again, you're putting all these resources into a board state and game state that you need to have a certain way to fully maximize on, whereas often I would rather take guaranteed value i mean you can like you said you can do some amazing things with it but it requires things that are outside of your control whereas if i just focus on getting value from my units in any scenario i know that i'm going to get that value without needing to have a board or game state uh, set a
1: certain way to get that value yeah absolutely i, mean, I, I always have one surge for in my list on the druid because it's 10 points and it's it's worth the, the gamble that I'll, i won't need it for 10 points but i've in green lady yeah i've never gone surge heavy because i've just not found value in it
3: no i agree with that i would say maybe a 10 point item up to a 10 point item i like to put the brutal item on there just for that extra little kick um in the second round of combat or if they're helping out with uh, another uh you know a, a, with a multi-charge um i find like that one extra really comes in a lot
2: yeah, uh-huh. brutals, uh huh. Brutals, I do like that item because when you start thinking about like it's it's essentially like adding extra attacks, right? Because you need a certain amount of attacks to net you that one nerve, uh, that one wound to increase your nerve roll. So basically, that brutal's item, the higher defense it is, it's like adding more and more attacks to your profile. So I think that that is like a, a, a good choice if you're looking for a small small item like that. But um. okay, Elliot, why don't you take us through the other elemental? Uh, for uh, Green Lady, the Earth Elementals.
1: Yep, so Earth Elementals, so they're Speed 5, Melee 4, Defense 6, which is obviously their their big selling point. Uh, Same again, 9 and 18 attacks. Uh, They're a Pip Higher Nerve, so they're Fearless 15 and Fearless 18, uh, exactly the same points. uh, All Elementals are the same points, so 130 point Regiment and 220 point Horde. Uh, They have Brutal built-in, Crushing 1, Pathfinder, and of course, Shambling. Um, this is another unit that is a, a very good unit in itself, but I don't think fits Green Lady very well, uh, or at least not how I play Green Lady. Kevin, I think you mentioned earlier on that the real strength of this list is that overarching crossing lines of charge and threat, and there's never a place to sit that's safe from multiple charges. Um, and Earth Elementals, while being fantastic units, they don't add to that dynamic. And so you're paying a lot of points for a, a unit that is sort of missing out on what everybody else is doing. Um but they're they're excellent, they hold objectives, they're defense six. There's heal and raid supply life in the list, so you can keep them along for a long time. Um and we were talking about brutal, they've got it built in. So they're a good unit. They just I feel the waters do a better job synergizing with the rest of the list, in my opinion.
3: So I I agree with with just a caveat. I, I think the hordes There's just so many points. And like you were saying, it's really difficult for them to make up that. But at a regiment, I really think that there is a place for them. At 130 points, a dash 15 defense six uh, unit can really provide you with... If if we're talking like weak flank, strong flank, it's not going to go on the strong flank where you have all that speed. But if you're playing for time on the weak flank just taking it in the front a uh, frontal charge, maybe you're in the woods and you just take a step back again. So they're hindered again. They've got all their minuses and you can just stick them. The, my only thing that I would push on this is just assume very much like the water, water elementals that they do no damage and that they're purely there as an anvil. And if you use it like that, I think there is a, a niche, but it depends upon your
1: list. Yeah. I see that. There. I see that they're a, they're a really solid unit. Um... 130 points is cheap enough that you can have a regiment, put it on an objective, and not worry about it, and just know that that's your objective.
2: Yeah, I just worry, like what you said, Elliot, it's just everything in me when I'm thinking about conceptually how this list should function. It's just that speed 5 in a unit that you're spending a fair amount of points on. It just doesn't like add any of those angles,
1: uh, threat it, it, angles, like the water elementals would. It's so funny, isn't it, that context is king? Because in my dwarf list, having they're speed <laughs> five on your earth elementals is like, oh my god, they're so much quicker. I can I can speed everything now. I'm so used to speed four infantry. Speed five is amazing. And then I look at them in Green Lady and go, oh, they're just sl- slumbling along and can't move. <laughs> so. Well, that's an amazing aspect of Kings of War, right, is that
2: the lists are so... You- I mean, people often talk about how it's like, there's not enough distinction or whatever and uh, maybe in some areas there's some validity to that argument but i think the earth elementals really show that like you said your greater army structure and flavor and decision making really does bring up units up or down in their effectiveness um and i will say i I meant to mention it in the water elementals there's very few things that i see in the hobby world that i want to steal being that i'm trying to do my own thing but the whole like water elemental of the horse like from lord of the ring that i know nick did and 3d printed and a couple other people have done of having your water elementals be like water horses is just like yeah, it's very
1: the cool. Cool, coolest thing in the world um, i'm so tempted to do it I, i've got so much on my to-do list that i already have two full mounted halls of water elementals so i don't need new ones and i've got sure. lots of other things to do first but it's like yeah but i really want that and Nicola lives down the road. I could make him do it for me. See, <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. But, yeah,
2: but even like Mantics, Mantics ones are cool though. I like their, their, yeah. their all their all the mantic
1: elementals are pretty
2: are pretty solid
1: model wise. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean the earth ones I think are, are some of the nicest minis they do. Um, and really I'm a big really fan of
2: them. the fire the fire elementals, especially yeah. the gra- the greater fire el- elemental. I like a lot. It just needs to make the air ones now. Uh, yes.
3: If you like a dad joke. I actually, my water elementals are the uh, the jacks from Privateer Press, like the horror, or the War Machine models. And everybody like looks at them and goes, well, why would you do that? Well, they're Defense 5, so th- that's Knight's armor. So they're wearing this armor, right? But they're infused in the armor. And so they're, ha steam-powered because they're water element. Oh, okay. oh, that makes sense, yeah.
2: <laughs> Arm- armored a- water elementals, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I dig it. Okay, next on the list, uh, and it's, you know, like we talked, we touched on it briefly earlier, one of those sort of Halo-type units are the Order of the Forsaken, which is the, for Pegasus or Flying Beast sort of mounted knights. Um, So this is a large cab unit. Um, It's irregular. So speed 10, melee 3, defense 5. Comes in a regiment or horde. Regiment's 155. For 12-14 with 9 attacks, 2-unit strength. The Horde is 3-unit strength, 18 attacks, 15-17, and 255 points. And for that, they come with uh, Fly, obviously, Headstrong, which is always nice, Thunderous Charge 2, and for 10 points, you can get them the Vial of Sacred Water. Um, So what's your guys' thoughts on this unit?
3: So my thoughts on this are their role has changed. And and I think, again, this more goes to how you set up your army list. But many of these traditional and second uh, edition flying large calves would be set up on the flank. And they'd roll up flanks, charging in, crushing skulls, doing their nimble. But because they've lost nimble, I found that they actually go from the extreme flank to moving in about, about the third of the way in. And, and so they provide this huge threat arc for either for your extreme side or into your central location. And if you can think about it like that, then they're really just knights with speed 10. Um, if you can get yourself out of that thought process of what they were uh, in the uh, in the earlier edition. And if you use that, I think there is a, a place for them to be a really nice an- anvil unit.
1: Yeah, I, I agree that, that a third into the board is actually Without even realizing it, exactly where I deploy them every time. Um, I was just thinking, then it's it's the perfect spot for them because it's, as you said, that that threat projection is massive of where they're looking down the board. Um, what I really like about these is they they can be on the left third and they can keep the middle, of the on the right side of the board honest, because you can never ever give a flank up to them, and then you can have everything else as well around. Um, they're really nice. That they're taller than knights as well, so they can they can sit behind knights and act as that kind of second line, um, charging over the top. I, I like them. They're um, they're pricey, and and you know they should be. They're flying speed ten knights, um, but they they sit in that difficult spot of being more expensive than Order of Redemption, and they're also irregular so it's another you know there that's not of an unlock i've had a horde in my list for a while now with um strider and i i, I go back and forth they either they're either incredible and they win me the game or they're just okay um whereas order of redemption i don't think i've ever had a game where they've just been okay they're always very good i think order of the forsaken are, are more of that all or nothing kind of unit where occasionally they'll Use their threat projection to totally shut down the enemy or they'll get a glorious flank charge off or a front charge with something else and they'll they'll wipe something out. But yeah, they're a unit that's absolutely crying out for um, crushing strength and the fact that they're a horde, um, so they're paying the premium on items, it does kind of suck when they're very much regiment level stats compared to some of your other regiments you've got, but they're paying horde items.
3: Yeah, I find that I have to put on in order to make it worth it. I have to throw on the um, the brew of strength, which just makes them out of control with their yeah. price. But they are the ultimate threat projection for the army.
2: So uh, we had a question around this from the audience. You know, David Cross asks with sort of the drakons, you know, somewhat similar unit moving to being able to be used as an unlock. Elliot, what's your thoughts on the Forsaken staying irregular? I mean, do you see a space
1: for them? as yeah, an mean, unlocking unit or what do you think i i really have to stress that in class 21 we we got down to the point of changing the line spacing on the page to squeeze more stuff into that page those two pages um so we were so pushed for what we could get in there so just because something wasn't changed in that book doesn't mean we don't think it should it's it's
2: not on your guys <laughs> yeah. radar is what you're saying yeah
1: um so it, it could be that these become regular we we, ha- we genuinely haven't discussed our looks at these yet um because the dragons and the Aloha were were so high up there as units that people were sort of saying these could do. What we're looking at. I I don't see any issue with them being regular, um, but you know that's my view as an incredibly biased person that loves the unit, um, and the rest of the RC might have to bring me in. <laughs> but you know they're they the the sort of the thing we're looking at at the minute with the regular is asking ourselves why not. Um, So a unit should only be a regular if it needs to be for some kind of balanced reason. So like Order of Redemption, they need to be a regular because they're inspiring. And if you could take all of them, then you would never need characters in Inspiring ever again. Um, Order of the Forsaken, maybe not so much. They're one that potentially could be made regular.
2: But they do have that problem, you know, somewhat similar to uh, if you're taking a, a Horde of Elohi or whatever which is a, a unit that only has their Thunderous 2 you you sort of need to give them Brew Strength, right? Yeah. Um, just so they can do something in a second round of combat or make their first round that much harder and then so then what that does is it makes the unit more expensive but also it's the opportunity cost of not being able to give Brew Strength to anyone else in knowing that you have to sort of give it to Forsaken Knights but they are just so cool. I mean, it's knights flying, freaking winged horses. I mean, it's or winged whatever. It's just such a neat art unit. It's like hard not to want to have one in your army.
1: Like I said, they're a very good unit. It's just that if I if I really had to free up a big chunk of points, that is where I would probably look at first. That doesn't make them bad. It just means that they're the bottom of the top.
2: Well, we've talked a little bit about chaff. You know, we, we've touched uh, on using maybe water elementals or uh, other sort of like in the the, the thick quote-unquote trademarked by Ashley, thick chaff. But what do we think about the woodland critters? Why don't you take them, Kevin?
3: Yeah, so the woodland critters, they're irregular. Uh, they, they are our only swarm choice. They come in two different unit sizes, uh, regiment and hordes. Each unit strength one. Uh, the regiment has 12 attacks, the horde has 24, the regiment has a 9-11 nerve, and the horde has a 12-14. The, the points were pretty low, 80 points for a regiment and 130 for a horde. Their speed is 6, they have a melee of 5+, and they have a defense of 2+. plus. They come in with a couple of special rules, uh, such as fly, nimble, pathfinder, vicious and melee, and they come with a keyword beast. I... I actually really like these little guys. Uh, they're not particularly fast, but they're definitely maneuverable. And holy smokes, that is a lot of attacks, man. It, there was somebody who reminded me of an article uh, that was for, I think it was the Night Stalkers, with like, like a scarecrow mass amount of five-plus attacks, melee attacks.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm very aware of that armor. Elliot's no damage. It's Nick Williams' armor, yeah, as I say, Nick lives five minutes down the road from me. So, yes, I'm very aware of that armor.
3: <laughs> I'd like to see, like, I, I play it out. It's
1: actually, I love it.
3: A bunch of these to see that. Because if you take one of these in the flank, I mean, that is 48 V5 plus vicious attacks you're taking. And that's, they're pretty scary.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I um, I actually really like this unit. Um, It's probably not they meta top end choice, but I, I love them and they're great. Uh, I, I've never used them as chaff. I, I, I'm really not a fan of the um, that 911 defense two chaff that can waver. Um, they just get in the way when you try and serve to do things. They also have flying nimble, which is is excellent, but not as chaff because as soon as they're wavered, they lose their nimble and you then can't pivot and back up and, and get out of the way. Um, so that it actually those combination rolls together makes them worth chaff in my opinion. Um, but I, I like the hordes. So as as I was just saying then about if anything has to be dropped, it's order the forsaken. Um, I ended up dropping them for a while to take two hordes of, of woodland critters, just because I, I felt I had too few drops in my list, and I was I was just too small and too elite. Um, and 130 points for a, a horde is a, it's a really nice level where you can easily get two in, and it it just adds it you know yet again to that overlapping threat projection that there's no place you can ever be where you're not going to get ganged up on. Um, And the woodland critters just pair really nicely with a regiment of knights maybe in the front and then they're flying nimble so they go 12 forward and spin and face a flank and all of a sudden people aren't really paying attention to these because they're watching the knights and they're watching the elementals and the beast of nature and the, um, the redeemer. And then they get charged in the flank or the rear by, as you say, 48 vicious attacks. Um, this is the only unit, by the way, ever where it's acceptable to take hammer and measured force. <laughs> this is
2: it.
1: Oh. I'm just this such is-
2: a... I love elite in vicious on volumed attack units. I just love... Uh, uh, just the more dice that you're begin- you have the opportunity to roll on a vicious or elite it just makes that ability that much more stronger um yeah, you know what i mean and like you said 24 out of tax It's like 24 attacks out of nowhere
1: um it's uh, this unit can and, do a lot and then bane champ yeah. <laughs> this is all of a sudden the, these guys don't seem that scary and so they get a flank and you and your opponent looks because how many attacks have they got 24 Go, well, on vicious. You, you can see your opponent getting nervous and then, and then you just move your druid up and you just see them look, look terrified. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had woodland critters before um, take out a dogs of war horde in the flank in one go, which was just fantastic. <laughs> but it's, what? you know, it's, it's all, you know, they rolled quite good to hit, but then it's like, oh yeah, now it's, uh, and now it's now forced to damage cause it was vicious because I'm bane chanted. <laughs> oh, you're dead. <laughs> one thing to keep in mind though,
2: uh, speed six nimble fly you have to be somewhat careful with your positioning so that when you are wanting to do speed six double nimble you, you're you, you can do that and still clear units right if you're trying to fly over something or or you do have a little bit less to work with for those maneuvers at that slower
1: speed so just keep that in mind when you're building your battle lines what what you can do with these as well which is a quite a nice technique is send them out into no man's land so s- send them into that that gap in between your knights and, and the enemy um because except that if they if they get charged they're going to die but they are 130 points but then if they've done that they've brought themselves into night range and they're and going to get countercharged by knights so, and if you if you really need to you can just nimble fly them away um and you know the knights can then charge right past them so they are yeah, they're, they're a, a nice little utility unit
3: yeah, so how are you deploying them, though, Elliot? Are they they on the extreme? Are they behind the knight when you set them up? Like, what are you doing there?
1: Usually alongside, so that they're not slowing them down. Um, I, I'm aiming to get these on the flanks more often than not. Um, not because I expect that they're going to do a whole lot, but just, again, to force my opponent to turn slightly. And so the, these are alongside some knights, and then on the extreme flank, I've got my flyers and my monsters and my redeemer. Who are they're the ones that are really going to do the damage, but it's it's yet again it's never making it so there's a safe place to, to stand or be. Um, it's just getting as many overlapping things as you possibly can all at once.
2: Okay, now we're going to start transitioning into the titans, monsters, the heroes, a lot of those really nice, cool special toys that we're uh, taking our knights to unlock. So first, Elliot's going to talk about the
1: greater water element. Yep. So it's a monster, so it sits on a 50 middle base. Uh, it's speed 7, which is a really nice point to sit at. It's melee 4, defense 5, um, 8 attacks. It's fearless 18 nerve, so it's a point of nerve higher than the, the horde. Uh, it's crushing 2, regen 5+, plus, shambling, and strider. It uh, has the sacred water keyword, as well as waterbound, and comes in at 180 points. So it's a, it's a nice little unit. It's a, it's a lot of nerve in a small package. Um, it's it'll very much like the regiments and ho- isn't going to kill a whole lot. Um, eight attacks at melee four is very capable of doing just one or two damage, if that. Uh, even in the flank, they're not massively scary, but they're, they're not expensive and they're, they're a lot of nerve. They're okay.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, what, what do you think on this unit, Kevin? I,
3: my big issue is that because it's fighting for a, a, a monster slot, there are a lot of other things in our list that could basically be an anvil. Um, and, and especially when we, we come up to the beast of nature, like I don't know how you don't go for a beast of nature, which is just a little bit over, what, 25 more points to take that with its nimble and fly and vicious and all of that but maybe yeah. i'm wrong
1: <laughs> no well to be honest even if you didn't give it fly um, 175 points for a beast of nature on foot i think would be better um, yeah you, you you hit the nail on the head perfectly there in that it, it's fulfilling the exact same role as a water elemental horde except the elemental horde also unlocks and has more attacks um, so the only benefit you're getting is this Effectively the same rules in a much smaller footprint. But yeah, the the, the beast is just takes over that monster on a lot slot, doesn't it? As well as the pegasus. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think the greater earth elemental is going to be somewhat similar role, right? In that uh, what you say about the greater water, you could say about the greater earth, right? That it does take up this role where you want that the Pegasus and Beast of Nature are just so
1: great. They sort of outshine these other two units. No, just uh, I I agree that the, the Greater Earth again it, it's slightly more killer um but it also has a much bigger price tag and
2: yeah. Yeah, so we'll do the Greater Earth elemental. So this is a Titan now so we have gone up a little bit in base size. Speed 6, melee 4, defense 6, uh 12 attacks, dash 19 for 230 points. Uh, crushing Strength 3, it's got the Brutal, it's got Shambling, it's got Strider. So with Brutal, Crushing 3, 12 attacks on fours. So the Defense 6-19 is always good, but I think it just f- falls into that same sort of issue you have with the Earth Elemental units of just being slower, fitting a more grind style, when really you want, you want speed uh, from your monster
1: uh, slots in this list, I think. Yeah, I agree. And it also commits the atrocious crime of being the same points as a, well, more expensive than an unlocking horde, which means that if you're taking this, you could be taking another unlocking horde, which means you could take another piece of nature.
3: And it's such a shame because the the idea of a giant, like maybe it was like a knight style statue earth elemental walking at you is such a cool piece of imagery. I just never can find any way to get them in, in any list.
1: I will say though they're, they're not bad units at all, and, and I didn't, you know, um, you know, and I go back again to the if you were running a, an infantry heavy list with maybe some naiads for sort of. Keeping hold of units and then these coming into the flank, the you know, you, there's nothing wrong with the unit itself. I think it's more the context it sits in here um, that it, it's not the best. But if, if yeah. you have one and want to use it, go for it because it's a it's a very good unit. It just it's it's not a piece of nature.
2: <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was a cool idea back when in second edition when we just had the brotherhood was for the uh, forsaken beasts of getting like a a 50 or 75 or 100 millimeter uh, miniature of a classic Knight Templar or something, and then just saying it's a giant and heavy plate armor, you know, of like what what Kevin was just saying of having like a bigger scale Knight model would be really cool. Um, but I think with this next, uh, next couple, the next two slots really, basically, that we're going to talk about, Beasts of Nature and Pegasus, they're just so good that they just, why would you want to, they just seem to, to really supplement the rest of the army so much better. So why don't you, uh, Kevin, take us through Beast of Nature?
3: A.K.A. the auto-include choice. Yeah, the Beast of Nature is uh, is a monster, clearly. Uh, unit Strength 1, uh, 5 attacks, Nerve 15, 17, with a base points of 150. It's got Speed 7, Melee 3+, Defense 3+, with Special Rules, Crushing Strength 2, pathfinder and vicious and it's got three options you can give it a ranged attack uh basically a 12 inch breath attack uh 10 attacks uh, with a four up to hit and steady aim for 15 points you can give it wings to give it fly and speed 10 and nimble for 40 points and you can increase his attacks to seven for another 15. Uh, and, and in my mind with the switch from seven to, uh, second to third this really takes over the the role that the exemplar Forsaker had in second edition. It it does what flying monsters do. You you put it on a flank, it rolls up the flank, it gets into opponents' flanks, and you're off to the races. I, I will say, I... I'm sad that it has to follow almost like a cookie cutter type of format because I feel like the wings are almost like mandatory because it doesn't have nimble in its uh, Mm. its traditional uh, special rules. If it had it in the uh, regular uh, special rules, then I could see a spot for a walking one of these. Um, And so it just takes a little bit away of that originality. But other than that, I'd say take – Take according to your taste whether you want the range attack or the the additional two. What do you guys think?
2: Well, and you said defense three plus, but I think you meant melee three plus. Oh, melee. It de- yes, yeah, it is defense five. So uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so
1: no, 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 problem. Okay, Elliot, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's a it's a very very good monster. Um, I, I still miss having lightning bolt on them, but that that's my piece of nature from forces of nature days, where you could also take lightning bolt six, and it was hilarious. Um, yeah, they're good. They're don't overestimate them, I think, for anyone that's new to using them. Um, they're excellent in the flank. They're excellent at supporting. But they're not the, a dragon, right? They're not dragons, and which is fine because they're not costed like dragons. Um, but these are support pieces. They are harassers. They're there for being annoying and getting where they need to be and, and getting those charged in the flanks and rears. If, if you charge these headlong into units, they're just going to die and quite quickly. Um you know, the seven attacks, Crushing 2 is, is very good with Vicious, but it's it's not dragon levels, and it's not, you know, dragon levels of Nerve either. And um, just
2: remember, too, not like a dragon, right? They don't have Inspiring, or like a flying
1: hero, right?
2: So they, they don't have Inspiring.
1: Yeah, they and they don't have any kind of um, weather mitigation or damage mitigation either. So they, they're they not the be-all and end-all. They're very, very, very good. Um, but I do see some people over-egging what they can do. Um, And all it takes is one good lightning bolt to sort of put these in a danger position, um, whereas the next hit's going to break them. So if you use them in that mindset, then they're fantastic. And for their cost, they're brilliant. But just, you know, don't forget that they're they're not dragons and they're not inspiring and they're not this, that and the other. But yeah, Yeah, they're they're brilliant.
2: I play against these a lot. Ryan Munsell, who's one of the better players in the uh, Seattle area, he plays forces of nature a lot, and he is just so good at these beasts of nature. And he plays them as just, he, like, will spend three turns just flying them around, not oh, yeah. engaging anything, and projecting so much threat. And you, you get so frustrated facing against them. You treat them in your head as a dragon when they're really not a dragon. Yeah. And you react to them like they are a dragon. And then right off the bat, he's winning the war. Because I'm I'm... I'm the-
1: does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, but the thing is that they're just good enough that you do have to treat them with respect. Um, if if one of these gets you in the flank, those fourteen attacks can just be enough to break you in one go. It probably won't, but it could do. And that that's how you can really win with these units. Um, that, as you say, you don't you to be honest, you probably don't need to charge all game and get the value out of the Beast of Nature because it can just hop around for the entire game, making your opponent turn and play differently and, and change up how they play. A
2: oh, um, really frustrating unit to uh, yeah. fight against. Because like you say, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those medium threat units that's just medium to heavy enough that, like you said, you can't just let it fly behind you and rear charge you. But yet, as you're moving, you're also giving up stuff to night. red I mean, it's just such a headache unit to deal with. Yeah, it's
1: beautiful, isn't it?
2: Yeah, totally good. So next on that, which is another headache unit, which is, a, again, another really great piece. And I think it's a, it's a way to sort of reconceptualize what you, what you think of when you think of CHAP, which is uh, our unit scoring or whatever, which is the, the Pegasus. So why don't you take us through the Pegasus, Elliot?
1: Yeah, so the Pegasus, it's a, a monster. So again, on a 50-mil base. Um, but worth noting that it is height 4. So it's large cavalry height, not, not monster height. Um, it's speed 10, fly, and nimble. Um, it's melee 3, defense 4, uh, it's 3 attacks, 10-12 Nerve, uh, it has Pathfinder, Thunderous Charge 1, and it's 80 points, and obviously unit strength 1, which is a, a big deal. Um, yeah, Peg- Pegasus is all, all things to all men, it's whatever you need it to be. It's um, it's chaff, it's combat support, it's scoring unit strength, it's a, a very, very versatile little unit. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I like it a lot.
3: And I I think a lot of people forget about Pegasus because you have so many other threats that you're throwing out there, uh, you know, against your opponent. That when it does come in, whether it is into that that chaff to muck up all their movement or to come into the flank, it really puts your opponent on the back foot. Um, I take two in my standard list. They are they are that good.
2: Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing, right? It's 80 points, which is cheap. It's fly, amazing. It's unit strength one, amazing. Late game scenario play. It's three attacks on threes with Pathfinder and TC1, right? So it's guaranteed one or two extra wounds, maybe more if you get into a flank. So I think the all things, to all people, I think is a really good way to describe them, is that talk about like a Swiss army knife. You could, in a game, just like, oh my gosh, so many different things you can do with this unit.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any green lady list that isn't improved by taking at least one it it will always always find value you know you'll you'll be able to do something with it at some point even if it is just using it as chaff and throwing it away
2: yeah it's just one of those like guaranteed like like you say you will get value from it at some point during the game so maybe if you're trying to think about what you want to take it's it's a, a safe take in that even if you screw it up it's only 80 points so even if you throw it away, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's not going to screw you over too hard. So I think it's a good, just, uh, uh, I don't want to say training wheels unit, but it's just a good unit that's that's uh,
1: uh, hard to really play it poorly enough that it's a completely wasted. Yeah, I will just say, if you're playing pillage or anything with an objective token, do think twice before using it as chaff. Really ask yourself if you need to throw it away, because yes, it's sure. so powerful at the end. Yeah, I mean,
2: being able to fly and sit on an objective 20 inches using Nimble at the end of the game, cannot I cannot stress how amazing that is for scenario play. That hiding this the whole game with the sole purpose of on turn six, I'm going to fly over to that objective in the corner and possibly win the game for only 80 points. I mean, that would be a great way to play this unit. Just hide it the entire game and say, I'm not going to use it for anything other than at the end of the game, it's going to fly over and... And, and set what's on
1: worse is your opponent knows you're going to do it and the cat do anything about it. It's <laughs> no. sort of like, all yeah, little bugger.
2: You bring up a really good point. It's very difficult to counterplay that strategy because what are you going to do? If it's hiding behind a forest, not doing anything the whole game, and to get close to it, you then get in range of all my knights, there's, there's literally, you just have to just give it up at some point and just realize, well, if that's what he wants to do, that's just the way that it's going to be. Awesome. Okay, well, now we're going to transition into the hero choices. Um, first, on the hero choices, as we sort of do the home stretch of the army, is the Exemplar Redeemer. So, this is a hero cav choice, uh, 180 points, um, speed 8, melee 3, defense 5, 7 attacks, 13, 15. Um, and then this one does have the option to mount on a winged unicorn, right? So, it would. Uh, Gain fly and nimble, and become large cab at that point. So the the height four, unit strength one, uh, and you can do that for 125 points. So basically for 205, you can sort of turn this guy into uh, a lord on a winged creature, um, crushing strength two, headstrong, individual, inspiring. It does have regen five, right?
1: Kind of a la the uh, Order of Redemption. Um, what do you guys think uh, on this guy? So all those nice things that I said about Beasts of Nature, um, controversially, I, I don't take Beast of Nature because I take these instead. <laughs> um, I take the winged unicorn versions of these, and I think they're amazing. <laughs> One of the best units in the game, probably, for their points. Um, they they do the same job as the Beast of Nature, but I just think having the headstrong and the regen and the inspiring just takes away those few issues the Beast of Nature has about being a little bit vulnerable to the odd lightning bolt and all those tools that people use to stop that annoying flyer in your rear. So people bring a lightning bolt to try and catch that flyer, or they bring a, a fast individual to try and hunt it down. The headstrong, the regen in my mind more than makes up for the two less nerve. Um, and yeah, he's just very, very, very nice. He's also very nice on a horse. Um, and if you give him scout, he's hilarious because he can scout forward 16 inches and then charge something turn one Yeah,
3: I would just say to the listeners that you have to be careful of that thirteen fifteen because you, you do get wavered if you're a little more you know, cowboy with it uh, yeah. pretty quickly. And um, if you roll dice like I do, you don't pass the headstrong rule. <laughs> <laughs> That said, it's another really great piece with that aspiring piece uh, to give you that uh, – passing that nerve bubble uh, around, um, especially on the strong flank. But it does everything, like Elliot was saying, like the Beast of Nature. If you can afford it, take it.
2: I really love units that are self-sufficient and can – Uh, I'm always trying to think scenario play, right? What can I do for scenario of of in the moment deciding, well, what's the best thing? And just having a unit be able to go off by itself. Again, some of the elements of scenario play you get out of the Order of Redemption, which is right, the regen, the self-inspiring, all those elements you have in this unit as well, but you also have speed 10. And then also, too, if you want that the theme of the Forsaken Knight's, Right of the flying uh, Pegasus knights, but you don't want to run that unit. Here's a great modeling opportunity to get a couple of them into your list of knights on flying steeds. Is that you can just take the hero version, and I love, I just love regen five plus on defense yeah. five things. Just love it so much.
1: But I would say, you know, don't underestimate the, the cavalry version as well. The standard version, um, seven attacks at crushing two is it's up. There. It's that vampire level of, you know, of, of hitiness. And that, you know the individual pivot means that it could just be in whatever combat it needs to be in. It's survivable enough that it's not a guaranteed kill and overrun into you. Um, but it's putting three or four points of damage extra each turn onto, into any combat. Um, yeah, just a all round very, very good unit. Yeah, he, and he does come with too.
3: the... It's crushing yeah. too. That's the key thing. Before yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Thunderous 2, which just just changes the whole lineup, isn't it? Like, yeah. What's that Varengur, that special... Character from Second Edition that was in everybody's list for yeah <laughs> yeah that's what it reminds me of a little bit just yeah. like if she's on a on a, a on a horse running around like that
1: yeah but like I said the uh, boots of the Seven League the scouting boots um, is just a a really funny sixty inches up the board turn one <laughs> I'm going to charge whatever I feel like yeah very good yeah
2: no I like it it's just all around just solid unit It does have also the sacred water uh, uh keyword as well yeah but just super and it just again just fits ah, it's just this army has so much flavor right just as we're going through all these units like what you guys have said it's like oh i could use this i can make this i could do this uh it's like the best of uh, being both a fantasy and, and historical buff it's like you're it's so many the best of all these different worlds where you're having all these just little kind of thematic threads that just get the juices just flowing so much so uh, very cool unit okay so next on the list after the redeemer is we have some of these names are funny though you have the exemplar redeemer exemplar of the brotherhood exemplar adjunct exemplar taco dude or whatever it's just so it's like uh, i lose track of like what's what okay uh so we have next on the list is the exemplar of the brotherhood and kevin's going to take us through that unit
3: so the exemplar brotherhood uh, has three attacks 11 13 nerve for 50 points It's got a speed of five. It's got a melee of three plus and a defense of five plus. Special rules are crushing strength one, headstrong, and individual. It does come with two options, the vial of uh, sacred water for 10 points, and it can be mounted on a horse, increasing its speed to eight, and changing the hero to cavalry uh, for 25 points. And I would say, uh, because back in the second edition, I used to run these guys as my choice for chaff. Because they can get in the way of people, they can do their own little things. They weren't, you know, their are uh, points of, uh, effective. But because lady bros are so stretched on unlocks, I, I don't know if they have a consistent place in everybody's lists. I mean, I do see that they have potential because if you look at their like equivalents, like the hero in the Kingdom of Men's list, they work really well in that oh, I'll give you a one damage so you lose your, your fly or now you can't get through me. But there's are 75 points, so why not spend those 80 points on a Pegasus instead? Uh, what do you think, Elliot?
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. If you have the unlocks, they've got more of a place than this equivalent style unit does in other lists. Because um, a lot of lists have this kind of unit, this kind of, you know, what I call hero rather than lord level combat character without inspiring and without mighty um but because you've got redemption knights that have got inspiring and because your wizards your druids have inspiring um you're not necessarily hunting around for inspiring in the same way so you you can afford to take them that way but as you say if you've got the 75 points five five points more and take a pegasus um or if you've got the unlocks, take the redeemers or take the druids. It's they're also when they're mounted, they're they're sharing the points with the druid. You can get a Banechant druid in for a, the same kind of points as a, a mounted exemplar. I've never yet found one in my list. Um, nothing wrong with them on paper, but it's another one of those again where I, I just don't see how I'd fit it in.
2: Yeah, looking at it, just like you you you. Uh... Bring up as someone who's sort of new to this army, the thing that jumps out to me immediately, which is five more points, you get a Pegasus, which is just just better. I mean, uh, it, gi- it gives you a little bit more things, and it, again, it's uh, unlock purposes. It just makes more sense why you wouldn't just buy a Pegasus. But
1: yeah. if this could take a Pegasus mount, it would be incredible.
2: Yeah. <laughs> be cool. so, yep.
1: in, in the same way as Kingdoms of Men their heroes can take peg mounts brilliant you know, oh, all those guys are di- so
3: annoying <laughs> yeah
1: if, if we could do that fantastic but uh, oh, I hate
3: those guys oh yeah. could you Could you imagine though like if you took the Forsaken Horde and you made it regular and then you've got the Redeemer <laughs> on the unicorns and then you've got these hero on, sorry, on Pegasus flying be around You're just gonna, let's do that yeah it's such a great thought well you have the power to make that happen Elliot so
1: well so,
2: sadly you know, I don't have you know unilateral power that's true you just got to keep sending in letters like uh, uh, requests to make them. And it's you, but you have like a mustache and you're like, I'm I'm Joe, every man player of Kings of War. Make this happen. and then Everybody wants this. Just make a thousand different email addresses all with like Elliot spelled slightly differently. So. Um, I was like, no, no one can spell it right anyway.
1: So no yeah, one see, there, there you go.
2: Rob still spells my name wrong on show notes. He'll have my like what I'm supposed to say, and I'll be like, I I don't know any Jeremy's when he puts M E Y's. (laughs) Like I understand if it's I E right because some people spell Jeremy that way, but no one spares Jeremy J E R E
1: M E Y. No one. I think I've I've been guilty of doing that as well. Yeah, but (laughs) um, spell your name wrong.
2: Yeah, but you know, in the scheme of things, there's so very few things that I actually like get upset about. So it's cool. I, I love everyone. So next on the list that uh, Elliot's going to talk about is the Devoted.
1: Yep. So this is the the wizard that is unique to Order of the Green Lady. Um, so she is uh, spellcaster level one, uh, infantry. So she's speed five, melee five, defense four. Uh, she's one attack, 11, 13 nerve. So a bit picking a point higher than your standard wizard nerve. Uh, she has headstrong, which is interesting and nice and not always that useful uh, individual and her default spell is heal three and she's 60 points uh, she can gain radiance of life for sacred water only units um, which is a strange caveat because when you're taking that then pretty much your entire army will have sacred water so i, I almost don't feel it needs the caveat because it just funnels her in a very certain direction but that's actually me for uh, 15 points, uh, she can take Icy Breath 6 for 20 points uh, she can replace her heal with Icy Breath for free uh, she can take Surge 7, which is the highest Surge available in the army for 25 points, and then she can be mounted on a Forest Steed, which takes her up to speed 9 and makes a cavalry for 25 points so yeah, she's a she's a nice wizard, she's not a druid, that's my only issue with her. I want to like her because I love the Radiance of Life rule and I really like that Fluff-wise and flavour-wise, I think she's fantastic. I love the idea of her mere presence just restoring the knights and making them stronger and ready to fight through the magical energies and and being around. But I think she can get quite pricey quite fast. I always feel like I want to give her the Inspiring Talisman, which then makes her more expensive, Uh, or the um, Shroud of the Saint, which, again, makes her quite expensive. And whenever I kit her up, I then just look at a druid with... And think, eh, this Jew is probably a better choice.
3: Originally, I was with Elliot here. Every time I look at her, I go, "Gosh, I just, I love your fluff. Let me use you." I just, I just can't. But then I realize that there's a really strong connection between using her with the Order of Redemption because the Order of Redemption has the inspiring, and then she has the the uh, the radiance of life. And then you can actually pair them with other things that innately come with the sacred water special rules. So you can then throw in one or two regiments of water elementals, and you've got a really nice, grindy uh, battle formation that could be pretty effective. That said, it still comes about with price. So if you're willing to pay that, it'll work out for you. I won't say it's the most mm-hmm. optimum choice, but I really like the theme of that.
1: I mean, just looking at her, she's a hundred points with the mount and the radiance of life. So that's hundred points because you heal three and radiance of life every turn, which isn't isn't terrible. But for fifty points more, you could take the green lady, uh, avatar of the green lady, who has has double the heal and inspiring and fly um, and higher nerve and higher defense. And but again, fifty points is not nothing. So she's a I actually really like this she's a budget version of the Green Lady because that fits perfectly with kind of the fluff and the theme of who she is, of, you know, who the Devoteds are. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's take your pick really. It's um, the, the, again, there's nothing wrong with the unit. Um, I just I, I find that druids are such efficient wizards that for it's me like I a, guess pre- it's, a, lot a, of a one. it's like a
2: preference thing, right? For me, I don't. I like having these little casters like this have inspiring. You know, yeah. so that's always like a big thing for me. It's like, do I want to give them the talisman, which again increases their points and takes away the conjurer staff that I think is one of the best value items in the entire game. Um, and that's just my playstyle. I tend to like my little support wizards in the middle of my battle line doing, giving me that inspiring. Granted, this army has been some inspiring from some other uh, units, but those units usually are quicker. So if if I'm picking a wizard to go with, like, my water elementals or some of my ground forces, having that inspiring thing does seem to be something nice that the druid has. Um, And why don't we'll do things slightly out of order because I think the the druid, looking at the druid in relation to the devoted, I think is an interesting comparison. So why don't we go ahead and go straight to the druid? So, Kevin, why don't you take us through the, the druid?
3: The druid uh, has one attack. It's got a 10-12 nerve for 65 points. It's got a speed of five, a melee of five plus. It's got a defense of four with special rules: individual, inspiring, pathfinder, and with a base heal of two. But holy smokes, does it come with a bunch of options? Bane chant two for 20 points. Lightning bolt two for 10 points. You can mount it on a forest steed to increase its speed to nine. For 25 points, It's got Surge 4 for 10 points, and it's got Windblast 4 uh, for 15 points. And, I, you know, just judging by uh, what you guys were saying earlier, I'm in the same boat here. The, the Druid is a poor man's version of any other cast or magic user that you could get in this army. Uh, if you want a healer, you give it the Shroud of the Saints. You maybe even throw the Banechant in, and boom, for 115 points, you've got this really great choice. You want a Lightning Bolt-style uh, you know, style person, you give it the the Boomstick, and bam, that's 125 points with uh, Chant. You want a Surger, Ugh, it's just 10 more points to get that one-inch push into combat. The Druid... For this army was the much needed, if there's one unit in the entirety of this this new list that helps make the Order of uh, Green Lady into a competitive list, it's the Druid, because of access to Chant. In the second edition, we started to see historically it getting becoming more and more available, but you can just get two Druids here, and now any place, anywhere, you've got that ability to, once you're in the grind... To get a little bit more of the damage on enemy units.
1: It's a, a very, very versatile wizard. It, it will never set the world on fire, but it doesn't need to. Um, it, for its cost, it, it's just very good. It, it does exactly what it needs to do. It's a, a chip of lightning bolt damage here, which we, is shooting basically is non-existent in the rest of the list. So, you know, the, as you said there, the the boomstick lightning bolt. Even if you don't buy the the main chant, makes it a very, very good value for points. It's 95, no, 105 points for Lightning Bolt 5 and Inspiring and Heal 2. Um, I mean, that's great. It's just, yeah. like you said, just so, uh, it's like Value Town. He's the mayor of yeah. Value Town, you know what yeah. I mean? So Surge 4, I think, is the absolute. If you've got Elemental in your list, always find 10 points for Surge 4 because it doesn't matter if it doesn't do anything for four games out of five of each tournament, that one time where he turns around and goes, ooh, just throws a quick surge and recharges something, um, it will make up for it completely. Uh, Conjurer's staff as well is kind of the must take for this guy. And I'm of the mind if you have surge in your army or
2: shambling units in your army, you should have at least one surge no matter, because even if you never use it in the entire game, you being able to means that yeah. your opponent's spending clock time thinking about all the angles that you can Surge, and, and and they're so like, I don't want to get Surged in the flank or rear, that it forces them to play a certain style. So you, there should always be a threat of Surge somewhere if you have surgable units, I think.
1: Yeah. Even windblast, windblast is quite fun. Windblast mm-hmm. wind is really fun when you pair it with the Heart Piercers. Because some th- they move into charge range, you then open up with all three of your heart piercers, then we blast them out again, out of charge range, which is just see, hilarious.
2: See, that's that's too much of you playing with Adam Padley because that's just not fun to have that done <laughs> to you.
1: So oh, it's just so funny. Yeah, people, right. people do it with it. I did it with werewolves, and the werewolves put themselves just in charge range. Like, okay, okay, you do that. That's the worst. So bad. Shot, shot all three, did about ten damage, and then went go away. <laughs> like you said the druid is just a, a really
2: great source for, of a lot of different things you know you could play it uh, uh, again a, a drop and play of whatever you're wanting in your list the druid gives it for you and the fact that it just has that inbred inspiring inborn inspiring however you want to say it is just to me it's like the icing on the cake of why i would like this over uh, a devoted but again devoted are still cool and who's to say that you can't have a cool lady as your druid or your
1: devoted so i think model wise you could use the same thing right I mean, interestingly, that we say how efficient this is. This isn't actually the most efficient way of getting Banechant into your list. The, um, the Adjutant with the um, loot is 10 points cheaper than a Bane chanting Druid. Um, but for me, even just the option of heal two is, is worth it over those 10 points. Yeah. And the fact that I always bolt on Surge as well. That's where I get the value from. And I would say that the, the Druid's mount makes it speed nine rather than speed eight, and it has Pathfinder. So there's there's always those times where you really need inspiring somewhere on the board, um, and you can just forgo shooting that turn off, forgo spells, and just go 18 inches through a forest and inspire your, your units.
2: And with with casters that have a lot of little small dice spells, this is when I mean I'm, I've said it before I'm a huge huge fan of the conjurer staff, and I think this is when the conjurer staff really really shines when yeah. you have like. Chant two, rerolling one miss. Heal two, rerolling one miss. Yeah, you know, however you want to do it. Surge four, rerolling one miss.
1: How many know, but, times? But everyone you know... knows that that re-roll always fails.
2: Well, that's true,
1: but it's just, um, it's just science. It's just science.
2: Um, well, you mentioned it, uh, and then we'll, we're going to pick that up as we're on the home stretch here about the exemplar adjutant. So this is your your uh, your BSB guy, basically. So for 50 points, he's speed five, melee five, defense four, one attack 10, 12, uh, you, and you can mount him on a horse for 25 points. So basically, it's he's just your standard BSB, right? You could give him Bane chant. I mean, you could give him other other stuff. Just I don't think there's anything terribly unique about this guy, right? He's just your standard
1: BSB. No, he's he's a headstrong BSB, I suppose. Oh, and, and headstrong too. Yeah. He's it's, it's useful occasionally. You know, it gets wavered, and then you can get him out of the way or get, get him where he needs to be.
2: Okay, so let's just move right ahead. Um, and then, Elliot,
1: why don't you talk about the unicorn? Yeah, right. I, I have to be honest with the very start with the unicorn and say that the unicorn is too cheap, that there, there is an error within the unicorn's costing. It, it should cost more than this. I'm not going to tell you what it should cost, but it should cost more than this. Um, so when you start looking at the unicorn compared to other wizards, you've you, Start thinking. Oh, that looks very cheap, and, and it is. Um, it was something Pat realised when we joined the R C, um, and it happens, and it's there, and we're aware of it, and we're we're looking to see if it, something needs to be done about it because the unicorn doesn't exist in armies that are particularly owning the world at the minute. So, but yeah,
2: sure, sure, sure.
1: But it's just it's interesting to say when when you look at what the unicorn can do for its points, and you start to compare it to say things like the Green Lady. And you go, wow, that's very, very good. Um, so the Unicorn, it's a, a hero cav. Um, it's height three, spellcaster level two, uh, speed 10, um, melee three, defense five. It's got three attacks, 12, 14 nerve, crushing strength one, thunderous one, inspiring pathfinder, and comes with heal five as standard, and it's 120 points. Uh, it can buy lightning bolt five for 20 points, which is... 20 points cheaper than anybody else. It can buy Windblast 5 for 20 points. Uh, it can be upgraded to the Winged Unicorn, so these used to be two separate units. They've now been merged into one for 25 points, so that makes it effectively Large Cavalry, um, but it gains Fly and Nimble and Unit Strength. Uh, it can replace its heel completely for lightning, uh, lightning Bolt 5 for free, or it can take Bastion 2, which is the uh, Rally spell, effectively. Yeah, what is it to say about unicorns? They're, they're <laughs> that they're very, amazing. Very, 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 very good. Yeah. Um, I weirdly actually don't take any in my green lady lists, um, only because I just think exemplary redeemers are so cool that I want them in my list, and they kind of take the slot that the unicorn would take, but I probably am doing myself out of an excellent unit by choosing to go with cool rather than <laughs> the super hyper-efficient unit.
3: Like I could imagine, especially if you had the Nia naiad heart piercers as well, and you've got two of these things slinging lightning bolts out across the field, that you're giving your opponent a world of hurt. Um,
1: Gen- genuinely, that that's why I don't do it, because it's not pleasant at that stage. Yeah. Um, and because I know what the points deficit is at that point when I'm doing that. And I just See, don't now feel... That's
3: why, that's why you're a good knight there, Elliot. You live to a code, and you're following through, man.
2: Order yeah. of the genuine dude. Uh, that's what Elliot is. You got both. You guys are stalwart members of that nightly order. So, but yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking the unicorns as they are now. You know, they're 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 also a really cool unit, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge anybody that chooses to take them because they are brilliant. Um, but yeah, they they have. High amounts of heal and high amounts of lightning bolt, which are probably the two strongest get, you know, spells in the game at the moment. Um, you do look at things like the lightning bolt being the same cost as the wind blast, and it outshines what is otherwise an excellent rule in a spell in wind blast. And Bastion, again, is probably outshined, but Bastion is a fantastic spell, um, but is outshined by how cheap their heal and lightning bolt is. Yeah, there's there's nothing to not like about this unit, yeah, oh, and it can fight. Solid unit. <laughs> <it>. Oh, and, <laughs> and that, it's That's
2: that's the other thing, right? Uh, it's one thing if it's like a wizard with all those abilities, but the fact that it has three attacks on threes with Pathfinder, Crushing One, Thunderous One, means it's doing damage, right? Yeah, and it's, it's defense five. It's gonna do a point of damage no matter like what it does. Let alone if you if you happen to make it the hero version to where it's getting uh, flank or rear bonuses. Or sorry, you, you make it the uh, uh, large cav, you know, unit strength version. But, and it fits the theme, too, of Green Lady, right? Of, like, magical, majestic uh, uh, nature animals. So just like, like you said. And, and you bring up an interesting point, too, which is when you're balancing, where does units that maybe are under or too good, it, that, are, that are part of armies that aren't inherently or intrinsically the top tier armies, like where does that fit in your design threshold of what do we need to fix first?
1: Oh, it's massive. So yeah. And it's, it's huge as well because the, there's units like this one, which are are, are factually an error, effectively. Um, You know, something during the calculations was missed out. And and there is, there is something with the costing here that is off. Um, Now that could be instantly fixed with an FAQ, but then when you, you look at how this is playing, nobody is taking lots of unicorns and spoiling the game for everybody at the moment, as far as we're aware. So we really do always want to approach it of, well, why not? Because we want to give people as much choice and as much fun and as many options as possible and only pull things back or nerf or adjust when it's becoming a negative experience for other players. So, yeah, yeah it, you know, if, if the unicorn existed in Undead, I'd be stomping on it from a <laughs> um, Yes, but in forces of nature, for example, the unicorn doesn't play into that play style that everyone's playing at the minute of the Wiltfather necessarily, are. it's you know. So it's a, uh, and you know, within Green Lady, they're they're not being oppressive. They're not a, a huge problem, but, you know, you, don't,
3: you so don't, don't need to have it. So I would I would say to yeah. the listeners, you don't need to like, and, and this is not to like you know <laughs> raise my nose against everybody, but when I when I won a a, a tournament, I only took two druids and a BSB. And that was it for, for actual heroes. So you have huge versatility amongst the list to go out about different ways of oh, trying to be
1: effective. Absolutely, yeah. And, and like I said, the, the unicorn the unicorn actually, as a unit, isn't massively overpowered. It's just compared to other wizards that do a similar job. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're talking ballparks of 20, 30 points. We're not talking... Across a twenty-three hundred point list, that's tiny, you know. It's so so. You sure. certainly don't need to take one to um, you know, to, to win. Um, but yeah, they're, they're they're very very good units, and, and I would encourage people just to look at up, them and see them.
2: That brings up that age-old chestnut of when you're trying to compare balance between units of doing it in in the abstract versus looking at it within context of the army for which it's used. Right, where if you just compare unit A to unit a- a- B outside of the structure of their lists, it doesn't always give you as big a picture on the balance as, you know, like you said, looking at the actual, how are the lists performing in tournament, you know, all the, our home games, however you want to say it, but it shows you that balancing is not just a plus B equals C, right? There's, there's, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's stuff in orbit around those discussions. A lot of nuance there.
1: Yeah. I exactly. suppose it's, it's, when you look say at the unicorn versus the, the green lady as, as a healer, for 10 points less, you can have the same amount of heal and also a lightning bolt five and also melee attacks. And all you know, so so it, it it only becomes stark when you look at certain other units that do similar jobs. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, like I said, the, the unicorn is a, is a great choice. I, I actually quite like them upgraded with the unit strength as well. Um, for all the same reasons we said about the, the Pegasus, for that, that 25 points, if you've got it, is it's a really nice, you know, end of the game scarring unit it can fly off
2: mm-hmm.
1: big fan cool
2: okay well we're on the home stretch just a couple more units to go so uh next on the list is the Naiad stalker that's basically the the heart piercer special uh hero choice so for 95 points you get a hero that speed six melee three ranged four, defense four four attacks which is nice it's 95 points 11 13 um Crushing strength one and snare individual inspiring self only pathfinder regen four plus stealthy harpoon gun. So basically this is like a ninja assassin naiad who has a little bit of like all the naiad rules. Um has he ever made it into your guys' lists?
1: Not green. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah she she technically has yeah, the naiad. Yes, right, they're all people yeah um no but not because she's not good just because you know i've i've probably got enough shooting i think with the heart piercers um that i don't need any extra with this but yeah it's it, she's a solid little unit actually um it's it's that annoying chip damage that almost that assassin style you know can can very realistically be doing damage every single turn of the game um and can be just annoying enough and just a pain enough to put you know key points of damage where it's needed or, or chip off chaff. But you know, once again, it's falling into that thing of it's taking up an unlock slot that isn't a druid and then isn't or isn't a example um, I,
3: I I look at it and go, gosh, I wish I had some room for it. I even have a model ready for, her, but it just there's just never enough points or there's never enough unlocks to actually get her in.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what it seems like, right? You just have so many other great choices that fit the the, uh, the archetype of the army a little bit better. But this wouldn't be bad if you have, like, a cool model or if you want to do it. It's probably still be pretty good. But, again, you just have so much competition, right, for that slot. Okay, cool. Well, uh, Kevin's going to take us out on the last unit, which is the Green Lady herself, Avatar of the Green Lady.
3: So the Avatar of the Green Lady is obviously a hero choice with one attack. Uh, a 1315 nerve for 150 points base. Uh, speed is a 10, melee 5 plus, defense 5 plus. That she has a special rule called balance, which is at the start of a turn you can either uh, choose the cloud of death or the radiance of life. That she can fly. That she has individual. That she inspires, and she has regen 5 plus with the heal of a of 6. And keywords phantasm and verdant. Uh, I will say, first off, uh, I've actually never used her. Uh, when she was 185 points, just like we've been saying, that was just too much for what she does. But, man, at 150 points, she really is tempting because she kind of could be a Johnny-on-the-spot unit flying to wherever she needs to. I love the idea of the straight-up radiance of life rather than the devoted's... You know, you need the sacred water piece, and I and I love in the pinch being able to get her in like you know places where because she has high nerve, high oh, well relatively high nerve, high defense, and so she can tank a, a charge and then scoot out of a way in like a, in a pinch. I I really think there's a great place for her if you need her in a grindier version of the Order of the Green Lady. Maybe if you're using all the ones that we've talked about, the Redemption Knights, the Water Elementals. Maybe even if you're talking about the defense five, Defense six, earth elemental regiments. What do you guys think?
1: I I say I really like her. I all of the sort of 185, I would never have looked at her ever. Um, you know, to, the fact that she got a 35 point haircut and is still kind of on that borderline <laughs> shows that the 185 was um, was a bit bit silly for her. Um, I've been taking it in... I've been running quite a few lists that are entirely regenerating. So, Walter Elementals, Redemption Knights, Redeemers, um, and the, the Heart pieces. And she's... The Radiance of Life mixed in with the heal, it's just enough to tip them over to... They can effectively reset themselves completely in a turn. So, you know, you might regen back four damage, and then you're also Radiance of Life, and then the heal six will take off another three. And you can effectively just negate an entire round of combat on a key unit and that's really really powerful that you can just say well that that round of combat that happened no it didn't and and i'm fine now um the fly and the speed 10 is surprisingly useful for the inspiring You, you you don't realize how often you need to get inspiring or heal to see round corners and to get to get where you need to be Um, And what I really like was when you've got your knights, which are all height three fighting infantry, she can fly over the top, cloak of death, and then she can see over the enemy units to uh, heal the knights on the other side. Um, So she can just sit there. Nothing can turn around to get her because they've got knights in front of them. And she can just sit there, cloak of death, just pipping points of damage on. And it's like super brutal. It's brutal that stays around. Um, Cloak of
2: death on a a speed 10 individual size base means that you can just fly and drop her like yeah and and cloak of death like five units all at once
1: oh I'm, I'm still trying to get them. my record certainly is nine yeah see totally I <laughs> the, the, the uh, M- msu kingdoms of mental everything's not feeling well and it's um, something you can use when she moves at the double
2: two right so even if yeah. you want to get her someplace really f- far in it's like uh, yeah no that's a, a great tool for her she
1: also she she pairs up really nicely with the heart paces. So you fly her over and cloak her death something, and so it's effectively like the heart piercers have got shattering, because it's just yeah. an extra point of damage. Yeah, no, good point.
3: Question though, what if she's the the green lady, right, of the woods? What, how come she doesn't have pathfinder? She <laughs> oh,
1: does. Uh, it, it hasn't been updated on here, but yeah, she's um, it got FAQ'd in the very first FAQ. Ooh, interestingly, it has been updated on all of the other armies on Easy Army, but hasn't been pulled through for um. For um, Green Lead. Awesome. So, well, that's yeah. good to so, know. So, yeah, she, she does have a Finder.
2: Cool. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We're going to do shout outs and we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back.
1: Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Countercharge. Hi, this is Eric
0: Trovers, 2020 US Master, and you're listening to Countercharge.
2: And we are back. Awesome, uh, fellas. I really want to thank Elliot. I really want to thank Kevin. Really great discussion on a very cool thematic uh, army. I know, Elliot, you are still got the OneNorthernKing.com, your blog uh, that you're yep. working on. You got anything? What's what's over on the uh, in, in the kitchen over
1: there at One Northern King? So lots and lots and lots happening there, actually, for, after going quiet for a while. Um, so the... Kind of the army review format that, that currently exists, I, I, I love I'm a big fan of it, but it, it tends to give you one person's sort of view or context at any one time. Uh, and as like the counter charge reviews show you that anyone that you're talking to, you'll you'll get quite different views from different people in different metas and different styles of player. Um, which you don't normally get reflected in written reviews. So I'm actually at the minute going through all 26 armies um, and doing army reviews for for each of them, but rather than me writing them and and ramble on and no one really cares what I have to say, um, I'm asking four players for each army to um, rate every unit in the army out of 10 and kind of give me a rationale and a reason behind that. Um, I'm not telling those four players who the other people are, and I'm asking them not to consult with anybody. I just want what their view is. Uh, And then I'm going to bring those four reviews together, kind of on one page, to show everybody where there's agreement of which units uh, do really well and which are good, uh, and where there's disagreement. So you know, there's lots of units where one person will think it's absolutely excellent and another person will think it's pointless and why is it even in there. And so, rather than just having that one person's view that becomes the accepted wisdom, really showing where that that debate is. Um, so, I've got four on the go at the minute with four different players for each. Um, and then, as as they start to come out, I'll I'll roll through all all 26 of them because there's a lot of armies. So, thank you very much to everyone that's contributed so far to that, and, and looking no, look out for a- them coming soon.
2: I think that's a great idea because I think one of the, uh, I wouldn't even call it an issue, but a a critique is the sort of S tier, A tier, B tier lists from Dash 28. They're through one player's perspective, right? Which is that player likes or doesn't like things. And they're often well written and well thought out, but there is room for disagreement because as we, if we've seen in this review, especially, right, you can play armies successfully in completely different ways. So it doesn't make, style a any intrinsically better than style b they're just different so i think that's a really interesting take you have on that
1: yeah absolutely I like i say it's not a critique at all i i, I love the dash 28 reviews and I, I really look forward to to reading them as they come out but i i do see around on the internet people will will quote the 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 tier rating of the dash 28 review as as the, the gospel truth that if if they say this is a, a a C tier unit or a B tier unit than it just is and that the debate is now closed on that um, and I, I want to show that there is always debate and even within the same gaming groups and at Masters level there are some people that will say that um, this unit is excellent and some that will say it's terrible. So I'm, I'm trying to get a really good mix, I'm trying to get people from all over the world um, to really show the difference as well between different, different methods and, and different areas
2: yeah. And then you have those, in those reviewers themselves too, I think you can have competitive players who philosophically think about the different the game in different ways right where i know you have some players who play at master's level who are strictly in numbers crunch and they play they play in lists like like eric Trobridge, perfect example he played that orc list like 150 times before he took it and won masters you have other lists who maybe play more from intuitiveness are they like certain models and they still can play at a high level but maybe uh they're picking stuff that they just like so I think that they're like you said. There, you can play at that high level and be of completely different like philosophy schools of thought. So uh, I'm excited to read those as they come out. Um, and then also, Elliot, you're continuing to do all your great meta analysis for the uh, Call to Arms, right, over
1: there on your blog. Yeah, absolutely. And I say just just for my my shout out, I, I really want to give a, a shout out to to Dan Miner, um, who is kind of the the silent quieter TO for Call to Arms that. Um, doesn't maybe get the mention and the the credit that he deserves um you know i i play around with the stats and the maps um adam sits there and shouts and looks pretty uh and tom does all of the announcements and, and all that side of it but what dan does is actually make it run and does all of the behind the scenes all the spreadsheets all of the data inputting he does far more work than any of us um and he he kind of he's almost a silent partner in the you know, he doesn't seem to get the credit a lot of the time. So I, I really do want to give a, a shout out and a thanks to Dan because it, it wouldn't work at all without him there. Um, no. we, we just sit and look pretty and he does all the work.
2: No, that's a really great point. You know, Dan Miner, who's up in uh West coast of Canada. Um, I've had many a GT morning breakfast a- across the table from Dan and he is just a, uh, a lot of experience running big tournaments, especially he runs a lot of big 40k tournaments up there, but just a, like a, a, a great down to earth. You talk about like the good people in the hobby and Dan is uh, at the top of my list as being just like a down to earth, just really genuine guy. So definitely a good shout out. What about you, Kevin? I think you guys are still sort of in, in, in lockdown up there, but you you have any... um uh events maybe in a few months that you're hoping to be your first event back or sort of what's what's going on up there And you have any shout outs
3: yeah so oh, i got two shout outs uh, the first goes to my gaming club which is the new england war kings they're trying to figure out um how to get orktown gt in it'll probably not be its usual traditional time it'll probably be pushed back towards or into the fall um but but if you ever want to meet like the 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 greatest group of jovial guys ever, then you really need to stop by. You got to join that forum up on Facebook because they really embody everything that you're looking for in a gaming group. They're all about the fluff. They're all about uh, about talking about the the battles and what is, you know, if, you, if we're talking about those ideas of people who are about um, the data, you've got all types there. And they are just some of the most kindest welcome most welcoming people that you can ask for and really help make the community up here in New England just top notch the second thing I wanted to shout out is is more about the order of the green lady and the brother mark forums on Facebook in my region up in the northeast I am like the only brotherhood player and I, am, and I think I am the only brotherhood player that I uh, in the five years that I've been playing up there and so the forum up in, uh, in Facebook has really given me uh, the ability to talk to other Brotherhood players and, and to throw out those ideas about strengths and weaknesses and different army lists. And so if anybody's interested in trying it out or at least learning more, please come search us up at the, you just, just search on Facebook, Order of the Brotherhood, uh, excuse me, Order of the Green Lady and Brother Mark, and we'll be right up there
2: yeah shout out to you know right josh rosado at k2 all the working landia Skullface. i mean the the stuff that they do out of the the in new england and cape cod uh, the war kings up there is like some, like you said some really awesome stuff and and i want to go to orctown just because uh to play in like an old bar and then also to those no one does trophies like you guys up there um just, they're pretty good <laughs> yeah they're pretty pretty amazing stuff I, I mean they saw they did some of those for, for masters uh, uh uh but yeah really josh is a really great guy re- super nice um yeah so definitely shout out to those guys so um as far as counter coming up uh we're hitting heavy with the army reviews so i know that uh alex coos has a kingdoms of men army review he's working on so that should be out by 2025 so uh Uh, It it will be the last of the before fourth edition. We'll we'll get that. And I'm just kidding. No, uh, Alex is working on that. Rob has some army reviews he's working on. Um, Continue uh, to let us know uh, which armies you want us to talk about what you like about them. Um, I know that we're going to be returning to, you know, we really haven't done a list builder studio episode in a while, but that's more so from those are often see, seen through the lens of an event where we talk with a guy about his list philosophy based on a list that won an event. And with the, 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 the la- lack of events, that's been a segment that's been a little harder for us to do, but, uh, make sure to check out the after dark discord, Also, too, if you haven't, the Unplugged Radio guys have started a Discord of themselves for themselves, too, which they're doing a little bit on, on I I believe, I want to say Monday night has been their night where they've been getting painting, and then the Brawlers Tuesday on After Dark where a bunch of the Memphis uh, Blue City Brawlers, so um, Hot Dan and Billy and um, Rob and all those guys sort of get on for Tuesday, so there's still a lot of hobby stuff going on if you want to take part in any hobby hangouts, Yeah, and just stay tuned. Uh, uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming out and then hopefully again be kind to each other, be decent Uh, it's a hard time right now, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and COVID and politics and all that stuff that's not fun to talk about a gaming show on a gaming show so we won't talk about it but uh, my hope is uh, when you come to that fork in the road where you can get pissed off at someone or you could try to be kind, uh, take the be kind fork, in the end it will make you feel better, it will make the world a better place so and then for that, remember to always keep counter-charging.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep counter-charging. Music is a composition of Kevin MacLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.